0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE. How do you pass up the opportunity to spit blood in Joan Baez's face? Face, face, face. <laughs> i inverted an epiglottis let's round up the faceless and get some pajamas dude i didn't know my head was a bank that's fucking awesome i want to eat so many tootsie rolls i just shit a tire i jerked off this towel so much it might be a surfboard mr schmidt is an entertainer hey what's happening mike schmidt 40 year old boy podcast i'm uh I I can't, look, I can't lie to you. I'm distracted already. I wish I wasn't. What are we, five seconds into this fucking thing and I'm already distracted? That doesn't make any sense. You would think that I'd be able to just plow forward and get through it like like a farmer right now plowing to plant sweet, sweet corn for the fall. Uh, you, do you plant corn for the fall? I don't think you do, right? You plant it before the fall. No, because we have corn mazes now and the corn is all dead and you're just wandering around in those looking for corpses or a way out or uh, or fun, I guess, fun. <laughs> is that fun? Is that what you're looking for? L- literally, I- I'm going to tell you right now, that is the only three things you're looking for in a corn maze. You're either looking for a corpse, you're looking for a way out, or you're looking for fun. All three of those things. And sometimes, you know what, if you find them in combinations, oh, that's the best corn maze of all. If you find fun and a way out, perfect. If you find corpses and and fun, uh, look at that. Look at the fun you're having in a, in a giant corn maze as you stumble upon a dead body from last year's corn maze. How difficult is that corn maze? I'm going to tell you this right now, and I'm not kidding. If you have a corn maze and uh, and eventually there's a dead body found next year, that was too difficult of a corn maze. Uh, you need more signage. You need more people pointing the way. You need a helpful scarecrow planted in the center of that goddamn thing, chasing off crows and then telling people how to get out of there before they perish amidst the stalks. Nobody <laughs> Nobody wants to perish amidst the stalks. Uh, but you have certainly made that. And look, I know some of you probably pride yourselves on making the most unbelievably difficult corn maze in the business. I'm here to tell you that's not what we're in it for. Nobody's going on a haunted hayride to to never come back. Even though the the threat is there and it possibly lurks inside your heart, where you're thinking to yourself, well, you know what? If I go on this haunted hayride, there's a good chance I may never come back. Uh, people would be excited about that, I guess, on some level. But I'm not. I mean, I you know you have it inside you as it gets your blood pumping. But if someone told you truly that you're going on a haunted hayride and the chances are that you may not come back, that's not a haunted hayride. Well, I certainly don't pay for it. I don't even go on it, but I, I truly don't pay for it. I don't go on that haunted hayride if you tell me I might die, but I definitely don't pay for the privilege. And that brings us back to the corn maze. If somebody says this is a corn maze you may never find your way out of. And I guess that threat always looms whenever you walk into a maze of any type whether it's corn or crop circles or whatever the fuck, there's a chance that you may not get out of there. You may wind up like Nicholson in the fucking snow frozen. uh, And you're wondering why Danny isn't there, Mrs. Torrance. Well, that's why, because he led you into a corn maze to your demise. And nobody wants that to have an impact on their lives going forward. Well, not an impact, an end. It puts an end to your life. That's not an impact. If you die in a corn maze. So here I am to tell you proprietors of corn mazes, don't make them too difficult. Make them fun and challenging. I almost had sex in a corn maze once. That would have been fucking awesome. Um, that was uh, Jill and I. We were wandering through the corn maze and uh, and we almost uh, zigged when we should have zagged and wound up having sex amidst the stalks. You know, like I said, you, you can think that you won't, don't want to perish amidst the stalks, but if you want to absolutely go down on somebody amidst the stalks, I'm, I recommend that. And here's the best part about it. It was light outside when we did it. Like, it wasn't even dark. Because there was nobody. Here's the thing. Your chances are, are better of having sex in a corn maze, I think, during the day. But not on the weekend. Because we went on a Wednesday. Like, I mean, if you go on the weekend, it's Saturday. It's Sunday. There's families. There's, you know, they all got the empty pumpkin head that they're filling up with sweet tarts and then they go to the corn maze and they laugh and their children run around in their little panda costumes and everybody's happy very difficult to have sex in that environment conversely, any night of the week during the Halloween season, you're going to go to the corn maze. And there's always probably teenagers. You can't. The thing is, you can't find a spot to have sex in a corn maze during the week at night, any day at all, because inevitably there are like minded people who are trying to have sex in the corn maze. They're all trying to wander their way through. But at the same time, they're like, you know what? We could probably I mean, I could just pick up your skirt, get behind you and bang, bang, bang the fuck out of this. And let's just fucking roll. That'd be fucking hot as hell. Uh, Tell me, tell me, tell me that isn't. I defy you. Tell me it isn't hot to sneak amidst the stalks and you can hear people like running around, maybe not children, but you want to hear people walking around and you just fucking just grab a, your fucking girl from the waist and, and just take her from behind. God damn, that's awesomely hot. Hi, it's been a while. <laughs> um, so your odds though at night, so those are those are really against you because there are there's huge crowds at the corn maze at night during Halloween season. So your best bet if you want to fuck in a corn maze or anything else, if you want to, even if you want to go down on somebody, if you want to have any kind of sex at all, if you just want to pull your significant other in there and stare in her eyes while you reach under her skirt and finger bang her and have her fucking come while she's standing there and her knees start shaking and you have to hold her up, uh, that'd be fucking great too. But your best bet is to do that during like a, uh, like a Wednesday day when there's nobody out. You show up. Cause I'll tell you what, that's, that's, you know who's even pissed off at that? The fucking corn maze guy. Like he doesn't even want you in there probably because he knows, oh great, you two are going to go in there and fuck, aren't you? Because there's nobody else round that's the main reason you go in there in a corn maze during the day you had to fucking bang in the door he's pulling up his fucking literally he's pulling up one strap of his overalls and then the second one he puts down his fucking jug with the triple x's on it and he puts his moonshine on a table he's like all right let me let you into the corns so you can fuck and uh and that's the thing so we went uh during the week one time and we went through a corn maze I think I actually put a photo of it up but we we uh, it wasn't for lack of trying like and, and uh, we were both on board with it. it was like that thing we were both kind of We started and we started to look and we started and we got into progress. And it was that thing where at the same time, both, I think we heard a, we heard a loud noise. We may have heard a caw in the distance or a crazy crow, uh, or maybe a tractor started up. I don't remember what started us out of finishing the act, but we did start at least in the corn maze. And then we had to wander off. Uh, and, and then I'll tell you what though, it makes it, if you fuck in a corn maze and then you both, you know, you both finish. And you're you know you're weak in the knees and you're a little fucking and you're a little sweaty and you're looking at one another that's fucking hot as hell and your, your heart's beating and it's awesome, uh that adds to the challenge of getting out of the corn maze because it, it, honestly what you want to do is you just want to spoon at that point you just want to like fucking lay down against the stalks and hold each other and listen to the fun noises in the corn stalks but uh, you got to get out of there because that, you know that's half the battle otherwise like I said we we look back to earlier in this conversation you wind up a corpse and then you wind up dead the next year a couple of spooning corpses nobody wants to oh, and by the way I saw them at Coachella they were t- you know what I saw. You see it coming already. I actually saw Spooning Corpses at Cornchella. They were fantastic. Oh, my God. They were so good. Spooning Corpses was at Coachella, but it's not really Spooning Corpses was at, at, uh, at Cornchella. I should end the show now, because honestly, how am I going to top a couple of Spooning Corpses that you saw at Cornchella? I, I really, I'm good at this is what I'm going to say to you folks. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm as good at this as I am at fucking you in a corn maze. So, you know what I mean? Fucking look me up and let's spend some Halloweens together in mass as a group. I'll take y'all, boom, boom, one at a time, line you up like Don Henley style on a couch. I'll just take five of your pussies from the back. Um, or, or, you know what, if you guys want to get involved too? Nah, I can't. I can't. Look, I can't jump the fence. It's been a while, but it's not. It hasn't been that long yet. Um, and I And I got to think of a couple of dudes square off in a fucking corn maze that the farmer's going to come running out with a shotgun and then inevitably you're going to either wind up shot or married. It's going to be one of those things where he either blasts you to pieces or he says to you, hey, you know what? You two are going to pull that kind of stuff here. We don't cotton to that without you guys being betrothed. And the next thing you know, you're sliding a fucking skull, like a like a sheep skull bone ring on your finger. And then you got a husband. Fuck. Uh, so happy Halloween is what I'm bringing to you. That's the message I bring. But uh, yeah, the corn mazes are awesome. How the fuck did I get into the corn maze thing? I didn't even know how the fuck it started. Uh, the, 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 the point is, folks. I'm distracted, and I'm I'm no longer. Well, I was distracted there for a long time to talk about uh, spooning corpses at Cornchella. Um, oh yeah, so, so yeah, Jill and I had to wander our way out of the the thing because if you finish, you just you know that that adds. So ah, that was the thought, ha. Uh, if you wind up fucking in the corn maze and you finish and stuff, you're just like I said, sweaty, a little disoriented, and you look at one another, and that that just adds to the challenge of getting out of the corn maze. So I say to you folks, maybe. Maybe you fuck in a corn maze because it adds the excitement. First of all, obviously that's exciting. But then the, the, the finding your way out when you're still a little disoriented after banging, that's fucking cool as hell. Now you don't even know. Then you start going backwards and people start walking in. And literally, let's put it this way. If you ever walk into a corn maze and there's a couple walking back toward you, just go, oh, those two just fucked. You, you know it immediately because that's, they're so disoriented. They have no idea where they are amidst the stalks. And so they're heading the wrong way because they just fucking banged, man. I mean, he's, she's got him running down her fucking thighs and he's just like trying to pull it together and get the fuck out of there. Um, well, yeah this, this took a graphic turn I didn't mean for it to be graphic books you know me I'm not a graphic show's not explicit I generally don't click that box uh, I'll tell you what you can come into a corn maze with me I'll click your fucking box that's gonna happen uh, it's goddamn I literally it, it. how long has it been if I'm sitting here just fucking yowling out like that all right so anyway folks here's the deal here's the deal mm, dick placeholder hate it uh, I need a producer to cut that out. Who wants to be my, who's the deal remover? And not even a producer. We'll just, bi- we'll bill you as a, who's the deal remover or the point is remover, because that's always my fucking stop, start thing. Uh, either way, I got to put those on hold. I'm distracted and still I'm distracted, but I wasn't distracted enough to not say who's the deal, which makes me mad. I wish I was distracted enough to fucking power through that and not say it. But, uh, but I am distracted. And here's why folks, because today I've got my, uh, AT, uh, 2020 USB microphone. I got it plugged into my laptop. I'm back back for the attack in the Southland, folks i have returned from the bay area and the home of fearful jesuit and his daughter who probably still is wondering who the fuck the weirdo was who was at her house and i and i don't blame her and and look i recognize this is a lot of me projecting all right i talked about it last week but i'm going to talk about it a little more today uh you know i spent i spent the birthday with the daughter and uh it was fun you know but at the same time i just i i uh, it just it just seems like a lot. Man, you know, I covered this ground last week. I can't get into it again, even though I'm still obsessing about it a week later. She was lovely. I've got photos of me with her. They're fun. She did a little stew look with me. I'm not going to post it because I don't think Fearful wants his daughter on the internet, especially. Look, let's put it this way: if you're using a pseudonym because you do a controversial podcast and you don't want people hunting you down because of it, the last thing you probably want is your daughter's face in a photo with dumb podcaster Jones. I would imagine you don't want that to happen to hit the airwaves. So, uh, so I'll keep that in my own private collection. Although I did send it to Fearful and he liked them. We took three. I, you know here here's here's fun for you uh here's like think back to your 12th birthday what'd you do mine was in 1979 I couldn't even tell you what I did I know where I lived I lived on Lawton Lane uh I know that was the summer that the let's see the well the Pittsburgh Pirates took on the Baltimore Orioles in the World Series later that fall I don't even remember what I did in 79 on my birthday not off the top of my head um I know the next year the bir- my birthday wasn't that fun. I can that in 1980, I knew exactly what I was doing on my birthday, and it was not great. Uh, but but in 1979, I don't I don't recall exactly. Um, but I do know I didn't have some stranger, even though I had a bunch of strangers in my house all the time, and again, this is what makes me sensitive to what went on with with Jesuit's daughter. uh you know, I always had fucking strangers either doing drugs or polishing guns or fucking hiding microwaves. whatever the fuck they were doing in my house with my mom, or I walking around in their fucking underpants. I told you all that story um but but you want to have fun on on your birthday uh when you're twelve? Try to have some guy you've never met before who's a friend of your parents teach you how to do something called the stew look that's that's a conversation. That's something you don't want to take time out from. Literally, you're hoping there's homework. You're like, hey, I can go do some complex math. Is there a way I could go ahead and fill out some college applications first so I could get far, far away from this goddamn compound and not have to deal with you and your weird friend? Um, and, and your dad is like, no, I'm making, uh, uh, what did he make? He made ramen. He made some homemade ramen, which was super delicious. And I think I, I already talked about that. I forget, I recorded on Wednesday last week. So I recorded just basically, oh no, Thursday was ramen day. Ah, good, I didn't record. I, uh, yeah, so anyway, he made ramen. Uh, fearful Jesuit made ramen while we were up there because Thursday we hung out and um Thursday was his daughter's birthday. Was that no? is that when we went for pizza? I don't fucking dude. What do I care? <laughs> what do you care for more for that matter? All I know is I try to teach the girl to do a stew look. So I'm like, all right, you got to take a photo with me. And I go, but you look that way and I look this way. I go, what? No, no, really, watch. I'll do a photo. And she just, I, it's she's twelve, so that's great. She one one of the photos, she just makes like a big wide eyed like tongue out face at the camera. And I'm like, yeah, that's you know what? That's a fun photo. But seriously, I want you to do a stew look because then you know me, I turn into fucking Owen Mills. I'm like, no, 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 no. Here, and I try to distract her. You know, she's twelve, so what do I? What do I? hold up like a fucking uh you know a, a doll I can't I can't figure it out what a, what a 12 year old's like I don't even fucking know uh but I was waving it to try to get her to look over there I was like here you know quick squirrel and I fucking threw something so she turned her head but we did get one good stew look photo the other two are just kind of her learning which are fun and they're cute as hell and I'll tell you you know it's always cool I, I've talked about this before you know, I, I, I really like kids. And I'm always hypersensitive because I want to, I want, you know, I just treat kids like adults. We've talked about that before that, that time at my, my, my former, my ex, my former wife, my ex-wife's brother's wake, my former brother-in-law, my late brother-in-law's wake, um, Max and I had a kid who hung out with us and we just treated him like an adult and he fucking loved us. He followed us everywhere. He wanted to laugh and because we did, you just treat him like, a, you don't treat Yeah. You can't just fucking treat a kid like a kid. That's just silly. Um, so that's what I did with, with uh Jesuit's daughter, and she was and and the, even better than that is when the kid is smart. Like I mean, I don't meet a lot of dumb kids. I I, I meet them in in the wild when you go to a store somewhere. Or you walk out. You ever see just fucking slack jawed dumb fucking kids, and you're like, oh man, this kid's misbehaving and he's terrible, and the parents won't do anything about it. You want to fucking smack him, um, and uh and then you try to take matters into your own hands. Sometimes you give him a look, you know what I mean, because you can't do anything else. Because uh, what are you gonna do? Fucking smack a kid? Not gonna happen. Uh, although you know me, I mean, I got fucking furious in a takarilla last week, and I, I, did, that happened, uh, fuck, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, You can't act like a child is my point. Don't act like a child. All right. That's all I'm going to tell you. If you're a grown up, I I talked to Shannon about it Monday because I, and I, because I recognized exactly why, like I talked about the Takaria incident and I talked about how I got mad there, but I knew exactly why I got mad. I got mad because I was, I, in my head was I was nervous about whether or not there would be chairs at the venue to watch the concert. I don't know if I broke it down like this last week, but uh, I was excited to go to the concert, but uh, at the same time, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, you know, I just didn't want to be in because uh, if, if I stand up, I can stand up. Okay, I can power through it, but my back hurts, my knees hurt because I've let myself get out of shape, and then I start to get sweaty because I'm standing up in a venue, and it's a it's a strenuous thing for me to stand up for four or five hours because I'm basically holding up 350 pounds. It's like you know, you're you're almost I, deadlifting 350 pounds consistently for five hours. You know, you're supporting it on your frame, your shoulders, whatever, and that's fine. I can do it. I've done it for fucking half my life, not even three quarters of my life. But the problem is you start to sweat because it's, a, it's an act of physical exertion. So I have to move aside. I have to kind of stretch a little bit. I got to stretch my calves. I got to bend. And luckily, like I said at the concert, we were able to find a table and it wasn't a big deal. But before then, I'm anticipating the entire trip, the entire ride, the entire way over. I'm going all right. If there's no stairs, I'm gonna have to stand up, and this is gonna be a drudge. I mean, and then I'm gonna fuck. And also, it's doubly effective because I don't want to fucking make his good time a bad time. You know, this dude bought tickets. He brought me to the show. It's a band he loves. Doing an album that he loves, and I don't want to be a cunt. You know, and fucking ruin everything. Uh, so it breaks it, it into my skull, and it makes me think things that I shouldn't think. And then I get upset, and I get frustrated, and I wonder, and I worry, and all these bad things go through my fucking head. And and then it turns out, well, no, we're okay. We're fine. And, and uh, eventually we found the seats and we sat down, but it doesn't matter because that was manifesting inside me and that's why taco guys looking at me, bald dudes looking at me, they don't understand me and, and my frustration, it's a childlike uh, response and, and I know where it came from and I've known all along what that shit does. Like I told you, I can, I can invent a reason to not go do something because of another thing. Uh, if I think I won't be comfortable, I can, I can black cloud the shit out of everybody and be really miserable and I have to be very conscious of the fact that I don't do that. It's, it's, it's a trait I, invented, I, I inherited from my mom there was no doubt. Uh, and so it's there. Uh, but I was very lucky. You know, I was able to power through it. But I mean, I, I do that thing where I cast this, I cast aspersions on what I'm going to do, thinking about things that are going to happen that are bad and how I'm going to deal with them. And it's a, it's a weird thing. Like, it happened. I went to see Halloween on Sunday night. Uh, I should say, I came home from Jesuits joint and then I, I wound up, I had to drive hardcore on the weekend, but I drove, I drove so hardcore that I hit the bonus by Saturday, by well, early Sunday morning. Um, and the bears were playing at 10 AM. So I wanted to get much the Bears. So I went out driving on Friday. I went out driving on Saturday. I mean, I, I get out, I get in the car Saturday at four, a, 4 PM. And I drove until six 30, seven o'clock. And by the time I got home and I got to bed, it was eight o'clock. And then I had to get up in two hours and watch the bears. It's just, but I hit the bonus because I didn't want to work on Sunday. And then I told myself, like, you know what? You don't want to work on Sunday. So do something, go, go have a, go have dinner, go, go to a movie. Do, cause I wanted to see Halloween in the theater. Like I wanted to see Venom. I didn't see Venom. Uh, I, you know, I want to see this bad times or whatever the fuck at the C- El Casino Royale. <laughs> uh, but also I can't bring myself to pay 18 bucks to see it. It just seems like a thing. But also, you, you know, I have no TV in my house. So if I'm going to find any sort of media, media. Stimuli. I'm gonna have to go out of the house and pay for it until I get my Netflix hooked up and everything else. And and you know we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But I really wanted to see Halloween. I wanted to see it in the theater and I wanted to see it with a crowd of people, just like when I saw it. It was fantastic. The whole place was fucking full. People were cheering and going crazy. Now that's that's awesome because and that was really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in a place with a ton of people who were watching something and enjoying it. But at the same time. I did not want to be in a building with a bunch of people who are watching something because that opens up the odds to somebody being a dick. It always opens up, and when, and and let's clarify that really quickly. I, when I say someone being a dick, what that means is someone behaving the way I don't think they should. Uh, I think we can all assume. Uh, we, I, I, I apologize. I think I can assume we are all on the same page together when it comes to behaving in public and how not to act. I know when you hear me talk and you probably think to yourself, well, Mike, doesn't sound like you're a guy who knows how to fucking act in public at all. No, clearly I am. Um, I've told, look, I've told this before. When I go to a movie, I don't want anybody to talk. I know that maybe that's too restrictive and too much of a fucking band hammer on everybody, but like, uh, you're not in your fucking house, man. I I, I just, that's all you're in a movie theater with a bunch of other people and that's cool. Uh, and so I usually, I try, and here's the thing I've even, I've even lessened up. I've let the reins go on my rules a little bit. It used to be when the lights went down, I would, I would start to fret and get pissed if anybody was talking. I just hated it. But now you've got the trailers. I will be, you know, because here's why most people have seen the trailers already online. So they're going to talk, they're going to kibitz, they're going to go back and forth through this kind of thing, and that's fine. Um, So I don't get in their hair about that because you know what, again, they may have seen the the trailers, they want to discuss the trailers with their friends. Where I draw the line is when the trailers end and in the arc light, this little spooky video comes on and when when it gets dark and it's time for the main thing, shut up. I, and I, I can't stress it enough. I'm sure it's. I'm sounding too strong, maybe. Maybe I'm putting it in a way where I'm, I'm offending people. But shut the fuck up. If the movie starts and I paid $20 fucking to come in to see it, shut the fuck up. And And that attitude right there encapsulates how I feel the entire time I'm waiting to get to the movie. And it's just like it was at the Taqueria before the, you know, the concert. I was like, oh man, I hope that this fucking place doesn't turn into a bus because if there's no seats, then I'm going to be uncomfortable and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to stretch and I got to lean against a wall and I'm too heavy. And I will, and look, dude, the bottom line of this whole thing, the, literally the, the, the seed in the ground, the patient zero of all of this is that I'm angry at myself because I've let myself get out of shape again. That's it. I mean, I recognize that. So my anger and rage and embarrassment in the taqueria, my anger and rage, wherever the fuck I am is, is all me. I know this. I'm trying to process it. That's the hard part because when it comes bubbling over, it's like, it's like a fucking pot on the stove and it's boiling. I'm always at a simmer folks. Look, here's me. I'm always at a simmer. All right. You're not going to get me when I'm not simmering all the time. I'm simmering. That's, that's just kind of a thing, man. Uh, you're not going to, you're not going to see me outside of it. I'm very, I might be at a low boil sometimes, but I, I am never a still pot. I am never, there's always a simmer happening. Just know that underneath the surface. And that simmer is caused by my, my disenchantment with how I've let things play out for myself. You know, I, I, it's a real slippery slope and a pretty big spiral to fall into when I go, all right, you know, cause the thing is I only have to worry about the concert and standing up because I've put on 120 pounds or whatever the fuck in the past year and a half. And, and so it's my fault. I'm physically, you know, I mean, I can do it. I just, it just makes me uncomfortable. And then I'm angry at myself because, it dude, it thrusts it all right to the front of my brain pan. It just makes me go, you know what? Fuck. This is my fault. My man, if I fucking, if I did something, if I lifted, I did the things I was supposed to do. I mean, I've been lifting, but if I did cardio and I didn't eat and I just changed this and fuck and, you know, and, and. It also gets to the reason why I haven't, you know, I talk about on here about how, uh, you know, I'm like, well, maybe I, I should go on a, like a Bumble or a Tinder or something like that or find somebody or go on a couple of dates or do something because uh, I miss companionship and I miss people. I mean, I, I, miss, I like hanging out with friends so I wanted to go see Jesuit. That was fucking cool as hell. But at the same time, I miss having a presence in my life. I mean, I, you know, I, I had it for 20 years and then I had it for another five and, and whether or not Jill was far away for five years, literally all day, every day, we texted and talked um, as much as we could, except for the times when we were brawling. Um, so that was always, there was always that presence. And even let's put it this way, even when we were brawling, there was that drama and, and stuff that kept me humming. It always kept me it. It kept my boil boiling. It kept my simmer simmering. That was always there. So now I'm alone, like really alone for the first time. I'm really alone. And, and learning how to be alone, uh, when you're disappointed in yourself is a hard thing, man. It is just, because again, like I said, I wanted to go have fun at the concert, but I, it all comes down to me being angry at myself for allowing myself to get physically uh, out of shape again to the point where I actually have to worry about going to a concert and being uncomfortable and having my uncomfortableness make the person I'm with uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, cause I, I I'm a, I'm a person who wants other people to have a good time. I would like to enjoy myself. I want, I want to be, you know, I want to be a good hang. I want to be friends. I want to, I want to see people and do stuff. And, uh, and I can't because I've, I've become, I mean, I can, But at the same time, I have to try to stay out of my own fucking head that way. Like, I mean, look, dude, if I went with a, if I was with a chick and I went to the fucking taqueria, first of all, I'd call her a chick and she'd leave probably. (laughs) But if I pulled that shit at the taqueria where the the person didn't understand me and I I got all flustered and shit, I mean, like who the fuck wants to be around that? I think about the times that I was a Jill in the beginning. She saw that guy a couple of times. Like one time we were in a hotel room. I threw the fucking key. I just whipped it across the room. And, uh, and, and, and cause she was, she was leaving or she wasn't leaving. And, and this is cause this is early on this is before anybody knew anything was going on and she was leaving and I didn't want her to leave. And it was this thing where I, I caught through a tantrum and I threw a fucking hotel room key across the room, like here. And, uh, that's fucked. Don't do that. And like I said, I've told the story in right here before. She saw me throw my fucking wallet across the room at a hotel. And it's because I was frustrated because I, thought I had done something wrong and I looked stupid in front of this person who I was trying to impress or I wanted to think that I was at least competent. And so I threw a fucking tantrum and, and then she had to, you know, I'm sure it scared the shit out of her. You see, I'm at the time 6'2", 260 and throwing a fucking wallet and getting furious and and instead of just calmly going, hey, look, let's take care of this. And and that's so I've gotten so much better at it in the past five years from causing that guy to fucking spill up, you know, but it it comes from a rage that I have at myself. And, and that, I will tell you this, that rage is still there. Obviously, like I said, I'm always at a fucking simmer because, uh, I've let myself fall back into the trap that I'd been in my entire life. And, and, and look, it's just because, you know, you try to explore who you are as a guy. I know who I am as a guy. I'm a guy who doesn't. Uh, follow through on the things I said, because nobody ever checks me and I've never had discipline or a work ethic. I've been very, very lucky enough to have people be interested in the things that I can do and I should be working harder to make more people interested. And that's my fault. I, I totally get that. But, uh, so, so anyway, uh, oh man, that was a deep fucking dive. You want to talk about falling into a goddamn spiral? Uh, all of this. So all of it stems from my frustration with me. Uh, that's, that's just it. You know, like I I anticipate the thing that's coming up and I know I'm, I'm giving myself this window where I'm hoping I won't be furious, but I'm, I'm fully anticipating the worst. And and, and that's the thing. You can't anticipate the worst. You just can't, you can't sit around and think, oh man, that's going to suck. So I can't do it. And I think we've covered this ground many times on this fucking show. You know, like I, I used to call it getting old, you know, the, the old me was like, ah, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do this. And that's what happened Sunday. You know, Sunday I woke up. Like I said, I, was, I only got two hours of sleep. The good news is why I accomplished the bonus so I didn't have to fucking drive Sunday. So I got up at 10 because I wanted to watch the Bears. And it was Bears-Patriots. It was a big game and fun. And uh, yes, they lost. And, and I, I assumed they would. I was hoping they would win, but I wasn't really expecting it. Uh, but then of course, you know, that robs me of the joy of going on social media because then everybody's just like, this team sucks. Trubisky sucks. Oh my God. Kill yourselves. I literally, I, this Trubisky, the last three games has done more than any quarterback in the history of this team. Seriously. Other, other than like jumbo winning the fucking title. And, and Cutler having select games like there was a Tennessee game, I think, where he threw for four touchdowns. But the fucking dude, if we if you told me we would have a quarterback who threw for three. I mean, this is like this is like Eric Kramer had a year for us once where he went fucking bananas. I should look that up and see what kind of stats he had. Eric Kramer had an air raid offense with the Bears one year. It was fucking insane. Like, I don't know how it fucking happened, but it did. Uh, most of the time we've got Jim Miller going like 11 for 19 for 140 yards and a touchdown and he might rush for 30. You know what I mean? Just this fucking three yards and a cloud of fuck you offense. It's just a drag. And then uh, you uh, rely on the defense to punch people in the face. And it's just the kind of football we got used to growing up. Well, now the bears have this fucking crazy gadget offense where dudes are flying around and crossing patterns and fucking going deep and cutting short. and, And we didn't even have all our weapons. Fucking, uh, you know, Adam Shaheen is a tight end who was supposed to be the key, the key to the entire goddamn thing, and he's not there. Uh, so, and Trubisky threw six touchdowns a couple of weeks ago. Like, this week, look, he was not good on Sunday, but he threw for over 400 yards, and, and he ran for 81. He was fucking exciting as hell. If you would have told people, hey, man, we're going to have this exciting quarterback who does all this stuff, and, and he's going to learn on the job, we're going to be 500 at the end of six games, that would have been fine. But unfortunately, when they got Khalil Mack, everybody's just like, they're going to win the fucking Super Bowl, they're going to murder everybody. Yeah. Throttle down, man. Enjoy it. Try to enjoy it. Try to enjoy this fucking team for what they are. Uh, and, and just, you know what? Root for them to get better and hope that things change and they do well. But at the same time, I recognize that I also get caught in that trap where, I mean, because they're up, look, dude, they're up 17-7 against New England at home the other day. How do you fucking, and then, look, it's New England. I know you're going to blow a fucking lead. It's just going to fucking happen. But you lose on a fucking, like a blocked punt and a kickoff return. And then, unfortunately, you can't cover anybody. Dude, New England, I know you don't care about football. All right, and I, so I'll change it up a little bit. I usually talk about the Bears. I'm going to talk about the New England Patriots for just a second. Uh, God damn, I I hate them because I'm sick of them. I don't want them to win anymore. I don't want to watch them anymore. I don't want to watch Tom Brady anymore. But holy fuck, are they amazingly good all the time? And they just don't stop. And nobody can beat them. Like you can't stop them. They do this thing. It's crazy to me. They'll they'll have like four running backs, nondescript running backs who have talent. Like James White has talent. Sonny Michelle has talent. Kenyon Barner is on the fucking bench for no reason. He's lurking. But they they do this thing where they'll run. They've got four white receivers and then one fast black receiver. They'll send him deep so he clears out the fucking zone. Two guys go with him or a guy at a safety go with him, and then underneath they just have four white guys running crisscrosses and then a back out of the into the flat who gets and and every play gets at least twelve yards. It's insane to me. Every play gets... The minimum that, that the Patriots get is nine yards of play. I swear to God, whenever I watch them, I watched them two weeks ago against Kansas City, and, and that whole game, I was happy because in fantasy, I fucking murdered. I got 80 total points in that game. But I'm watching it, wanting the Chiefs to win, and then every time the fucking... The 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 Patriots just throw a crossing pattern to a white dude out of nowhere. And I don't even it's and I'm talking white dudes, man. I'm talking like fucking Richie Cunningham motherfuckers. It's not even like you know, sometimes you get those white dudes who are kinda like half a half a hip hop dude. No no man, these guys are just straight up milk and then it's like Chris Hogan guys. They sound like professional golfers. What the fuck is, what the fuck is a Chris Hogan? How the fuck is he? To, Julian Edelman. That sounds like the fucking CEO at some Schwab fucking company, man. Julian Edelman and Chris Hogan are schooling you and you think to yourself, this would never fucking happen, but it is. You're just watching them dominate. Even their fucking running back is named James White. He sounds like a law firm partner. And that and they're just murdering you with these fucking guys. You know, there's no Contavious Caldwell Pope. There's no, no fucking cool ass name who's killing you. I mean, granted, Rob Gronkowski is a fucked up, awesome, great football name, but guess what? The fucking everybody's talking about the Bears hung with the Patriots and it was a close game and two defensively. Hey, I got news for you. Gronk didn't even make the plane. So let's not put the Bears in the same league as these motherfuckers just did because Gronk stayed home. And the Bears didn't know that till the day before, and the fucking Patriots just went, "Oh yeah, so Gronk's gonna stay home." So we get, and then on the first series of the of the game, the Patriots lost their number one fucking ground game running back. James White is like their threat out of the backfield who does a bunch of everything, but then Sony Michelle is their fucking road grader, and uh, but he's also got fucking four seven speed or four five speed, and uh, and I know that doesn't sound like it makes a difference for some reason in football, it does. Literally, they'll be like, "That guy ran a four five forty. Oh, he's fucking awesome. That guy ran a 4.740. What a fucking dog. Really, two tenths of a second? It, that's it, that's worth it. But when they do the fucking underwear Olympics at the combine, that's what they got is a bunch of guys with stopwatches going, oh my god, that guy's fast. Oh my god, that guy's not. Uh, <laughs> so watching the Patriots is just and they're just so they didn't have a Gronkowski and they didn't have Sony Michelle. They just, and they, so they kicked our ass with a bunch of fucking golfers. It was so bad to watch James White out of the backfield and a bunch of, like I said, just white dudes on crisscross patterns. It was a mess. It looked like a boy band out there just catching fucking passes and taunting, getting up and signaling for first downs. And you want to smash them. That's the thing. When they're beating your team like that, you're just like, somebody hit somebody hard. Like if somebody could fuck up Brady, that would be great. But just fuck up these little white dudes, man. Just somebody fuck up that. Cause they, they all look like you know what it looks like every single white Patriot receiver. It looks like it's like his birthday party and all of the other kids have been instructed to let them get open and catch passes. Like it's that fucking blatant. I don't know how they fucking do it. They run rub routes. They run all these crossing patterns and they are just fucking there and they're catching everything and just fucking schooling the bears. It was a mess. You know, the bears, the bears, uh, granted Khalil Mack was hurt but they just looked fucking confused and again without Gronkowski and without Sonny Michel they bring those two guys in the fucking Patriots might have scored 80 points it was a drag uh, I mean it's beautiful to watch if you're a fan but, if you're, but, but also you hate them so much you know it's like watching the Yankees man I don't give a fuck or the Red Sox are in the World Series like Red Sox Dodgers I, it's just like fuck you versus get fucked I mean I don't, I don't care when I was, and look here's the thing I'm rooting for the Dodgers because they haven't won in a while Boston fans are insufferable yes Caldwell you too um... <laughs> you're all very nice. Look, you're lovely people, but you've won. You've won a bunch of stuff. You won like three World Series in the last fucking nine years or whatever the fuck. Give it a rest. Let the Dodger fans win one. And, I, and believe me, as a kid, I never would have said that because the Dodgers used to fuck up the Phillies routinely in the 70s and I had to deal with that shit. So I've just hated the Dodgers ever since when I got older. And then in 88, they beat the fucking A's. How do you beat the Conseco McGuire A's? What a drag. But I mean, again, it's magic. Kirk Gibson with the bomb off Eckersley. You're like, dude, that was fucking fantastic. I mean, I can't argue with a fucking sports moment that still lives 30 years later. It was gorgeous. Um so anyway, so, so so Sunday I wake up. I don't even know how I, got, I spun off into that. I sp- you know, I spun off into it because yeah, we're talking football and again watching the Patriots. I just don't want them to win. I don't. It's they're fucking amazing. I can respect what they do. I know who they are. But Jesus fucking Christ, I cannot watch them. I just can't. It, I mean I can't I mean I can but watching them fucking go is just is just a it's just a mess, dude. Watching them crisscross and fucking terrorize your team. Um but you have to respect it. You know what I mean? It, it's it's like if a, a guy beats your ass and you just got to go, well, you know what? I didn't think that was coming. Like, imagine if you're reading Archie comics and somehow Dilton beat up Moose. You'd have to go, man, I fucking hate Dilton. What a fucking punk. But at the same time, holy shit, did he fuck up Moose? I never saw that coming. Um, but in this case, though, the Patriots are also Moose. They look like Dilton, but they play like Moose. They've been Moose for fucking since 2002. 2000. Was it was a 2001 or 2000. No, it was 2002. No, 2001. I think they won because yeah, it was a big deal. Patriots win when the year fucking 911. It wasn't that when you two did the show and they put everybody's name on the big curtain. I think it was. See, that's what it was. Maybe they got some fucking 911 mojo that they carry forever, and that's why they always win. Uh, which makes sense. Cause you know, on nine 11, the two white jets that a crisscross and smashed into the two bigger buildings. It was two small things that took down a big thing. And maybe that's what makes sense. The Patriots are all about scheme and Mohammed atta totally was all about scheme. That guy had it down. He fucking, he and his other 19 guys, you know what? I wish they would have had 22 guys. Then he could say, Oh man, they're like the all 22 of terrorists. They're the Patriots of terrorists. Cause they had fucking 22 dudes and going at it. In fact, Would you say that Mohammed Atta is the Tom Brady of the 9-11 terrorists, or would you say that Tom Brady is the Mohammed Atta of the Patriots? I want to know. We got to figure that out because both of them clearly, they're the head of the organization. You cut the head off the snake and you get them both. Clearly, both of them are the straw that stirs the drink for each one for the, (laughs) I guess we put it that way. That means that Mohammed Atta and Tom Brady are the Reggie Jacksons of their respective organizations. Boy, we got to bring Reggie into this. He gets hurt. Uh, And why not? Because Mohammed Atta killed many on 9-11 and Reggie Jackson killed the queen. As we all know, he tried to anyway. Um, Yeah, so I I can't watch the Patriots. I can't root for them anyway. I mean, I can admit that they're really good, and they just fucking... Because they did, they fucking zipped by the Bears. It was so sad to watch. Just a bunch of white dude. Literally, you could watch the fucking Patriots offense from a helicopter, and it would just look like and just play yakety sacks, and it would completely make sense. Because guys are getting rubbed out. Linebackers don't know how to chase. And the Bears also didn't help by putting their fucking. They have two guys who can rush the passer. Three. Akeem Hicks is on the line, but he's more effective because they they send pressure from the wings in Leonard Floyd and Khalil Mack. And Mack was hurt, so he couldn't pressure. And Leonard Floyd has just lost. I mean, that, that's a fucking guy. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. He takes every bad angle. He tried to guard. James White in the flat once and James White, I broke his ankles in a way where Leonard Floyd, I I can't imagine being in the film room because it's just the rest of the team would just do the fucking Cosby kids laugh at you because you got so embarrassed by James White and they shouldn't because everybody clearly wound up getting embarrassed by the Patriots the other day, but at the same time, man, not like Leonard Floyd did on the pass to James White. What a fucking mess. All right. Um, so I don't even know how the fuck we got into that. Oh, because, you know, it was Sunday because I wanted to watch the Bears. So I got to watch the Bears and it did not have a kind result. But at the same time, I didn't. It didn't ruin me. I mean, I'm not. I'm excited to watch a, a fun football team and I hope they get better. And I think that they will. They should. Let's put it this way. If they don't win the next two weeks, uh, then there's an issue. Then we can all bitch and moan and be sad. But I mean, you got the Jets and the fucking Bills the next two weeks. You better smash those fucking clubs. Um, the Jets are kind of a coin flip. I mean, but, but they get a rookie quarterback. You got to fuck that dude up. And the Bills are just uh, God, look. I was just in Buffalo, okay, and I feel bad for you people. I was there and I enjoyed it, but it just, it looked bleak. It's one of those towns, again, it's the Rust Belt or whatever the fuck, although it's not even in the Rust Belt. It's just way north of the Rust Belt. It it, it looks like, Buffalo looks like what would happen if Cleveland tried to escape to Canada. Uh, that's what, it just crawled its way up the fucking map and got so close and then just stalled the fuck out because its gremlin broke down and it ran out of money for fucking repairs. So it had to just stay up there in that fucking horrible climate. Uh, and so when you're up in a shitty place like that and nothing against Buffalo, you're not shitty. I'm sure you're a wonderful community. Everybody loves one another, but still let's face it. Your weather's awful. Your whole fucking town is gray. It's just a mess. And when you're up there dealing with that all the goddamn time, well, what the fuck happens? You know, you, you invest in the local sports teams like nobody ever fucking did in their lives. So the bills mean everything and the sabers mean everything. And, and, and so if they, the sabers have been fucking terrible for years and the bills finally made the playoffs last year and everybody went, yay. And then Jack, it's like, uh, it with Jacksonville too. Jacksonville, which is the Buffalo of Florida. Their team made the fucking uh, playoffs last year, but he went, yay, we have the best defense in football. And now this year, they're a fucking tumbling mess. Jacksonville and Buffalo. What a, I just look, I feel bad for all of these Berg's. I feel bad for all of us. Really? When you want to look at it under, you, you can all fall under my umbrella of sadness. I I weep for all of you. <laughs> I rend garments and gnashed my teeth for everybody in Buffalo, Jacksonville and other points unknown. Uh, but we're going to stomp Buffalo in a couple of fucking weeks. Just absolutely fucking crush them. And if we don't, then we got an issue, but you want to, but you think there's too much football in this week. If we lose the Buffalo, forget it you know what? Actually, I apologize. If we lose the Buffalo, there may not even be a show. It'll just be a rerun or it'll just be the sound of a creaking uh, beam as my noose tightens around my neck. Once I do it on the air, cause I I will, I'll tell you this. If they lose the Buffalo, I will absolutely kill myself on the air. So you guys can hear it. And yes, save this audio. I demand it. Um, so I got up to watch the game and then I watched the Patriots just yackety sacks the fuck out of the bears. And, and it was fine. And it was just a whiteout. It was just, a, it was a blizzard, a whiteout schooled the bears. And then, uh, you know, I, there was more football in the afternoon and I'm like, all right, you know, maybe I'll go see Halloween at 3:30 Cause also, you know, I got that fridge thing happening where I got to find a goddamn fridge. And I, so I went online and I looked and then I'm like, well, you know, I could go, I could go to home Depot and browse. I could go to Best Buy and browse. Um, but then old man inside me went, you know what? You can do all this from your goddamn computer. You can look on bestbuy.com. You can go to homedepot.com. I even went to ikea.com to look for a Friesel floor or f- whatever the fuck they call their fridge. I'm like, do they do Swedes? Do they even fucking put stuff in a fridge or do they just dig a hole in their yard and put, put it all out there? Do they have a, do they just have a really cold fjord that they put everything in? I don't know. So I went to check and they do. Luckily, Ikea does sell a, a, like a a ice, whatever the fuck you want to call it and uh and it was moderately priced it looked okay but then i look you know i have to set a price level and then i'm reading reviews and here's the fucking dumbest thing i'm doing when i'm doing this shit dude i'm i'm shopping online i'm looking for fridges and uh and fuck me man i i just you know, I only have a limited space in my apartment. So I, I, I look immediately that that takes out the double door things, because what I really wanted I wanted to get the ice and door ice and water in the door thing, because then I get in my head. I'm like, all right, be a grown up. I could save money on bottled water. I mean, I would still buy bottled water, but I would drink it when I left the house and in my house, I could drink like ice water because I don't usually make ice because I didn't have any ice trays. But now I'm going to have to buy ice trays unless I can get an icy fridge, whatever the fuck. So I'm looking and dudes, I got to tell you, man, I'm I'm uh, I'm fifty one. And I bought my my one and only fridge I've ever paid for was back twenty one years ago when I was thirty. We moved here Karen and I went and bought a fridge and uh here 's how old my fridge was folks uh i because I, I was like, you know what this one lasted twenty years maybe I'll just get the same exact fridge I mean because honestly that that'll take me another twenty and, and then I'm dead. I mean who the fuck cares the only thing that's, the only thing that needs to be stored in a fridge at that point is me throw a toe tag on me and put me climb into that fucking magic chef because that's what it was it was a magic chef so that's i i I saw the fucking I was like, all right, it's magic chef. So I'll go online and find one of those. And, uh, dudes, I've had that fridge so long. Magic magic chef got out of the refrigerator business there. I don't even think he's a chef anymore. Honestly, he might've just hung up his fucking puffy hat and retired to an island somewhere because he doesn't make shit. Um, they sell like wine cooler things, at wine like wine freezers and all that kind of dumb shit. That's all they sell. They don't sell like house fridges anymore. So the Magic Chef's out of the business, and I'm like, boy, oh boy, what a drag! Because you guys, you you made a fridge like I wanted to write them a note, and then part of my brain went, you know what? Maybe. If I reach out to the magic chef dudes and I tell them, Hey, you know, your, your fridge, like I'd be a testimonial in a commercial and I'll get a free magic chef fridge out of it. Cause I'll be the guy who only had magic chef fridges his entire life. It'll be like a fable. Aesop will write it. Fuck the Fox and the grapes, Write Mike Schmidt in the magic chef fridge. That'll be fridges. That's it. You gotta be a couple of them. Mike Schmidt in the magic chef fridges. That's an, that's a fable fa- people want to fucking hear. And I guarantee you, I will not see my own reflection in the, in the lake and drop my fridge in there trying to fucking fight myself. That's eh, not happening. Um but Magic Chef's out of the fucking refrigerator game, man. So then I'm looking, I'm on Best Buy, I'm looking. And this is Sunday. Like I said, I thought to myself, I'll get out of the house. I'll go, do, see, I'll go see a movie and do something. But I got caught up in the red zone. You know, once foot, dude, football's the best reality show on television. Because you never know what the fuck's going to happen. I mean, the afternoon games are, are New Orleans and Baltimore, which is a great game. Uh, but then Dallas and Washington, which has the rivalry thing to it, but I, I hate it. I don't care about Dallas and Washington. The last time I liked a Dallas Washington game was a couple of years ago when RG3 on Thanksgiving, I think he had like nine touchdowns. It was fucking amazing to watch. Anytime you see a transcendent athlete getting it done, you're just like, this is fucking beautiful. Uh, and also, Dallas is up there with the Dodgers and the Red Sox and the Patriots. Fuck you. Just get beat. I don't, I don't want to see good things ever happen for you. Dak Prescott. Your quarterback's name is Dak. And he was a the guy they drafted in like the sixth round and he had a good year his first year. And everybody's like, aha, the Cowboys have stolen a, a title in the future with Dak Prescott. And now he's just a slob. He just throws his fucking... Literally, every pass is at the tongues of your shoes. It's fun to watch. He's terrible. And then they drafted Ezekiel Elliott, who's, you know, he has a great running back, but it's so fucking what? And then they had the best line in football two years ago. This is why you can't make predictions in football. I know we're getting back into football. But everybody's like, oh, man, the, the, the Cowboys have the best line in football and will for years. And then... Like one of their linemen hurts his knee, and then one of their linemen got like pleurisy, like some fucking old timey disease. He got like black lung or the mumps, some crazy, and like not like not even mumps, like heart mumps, some fucked up disease that people don't get, and he got it in the in the fucking uh, was it Epstein Barr or Guillain Barr or and Epstein? He might have got you know he got Epstein Washington disease. <laughs> And I only know because he brought a note from his mom. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm old. All right. So he uh, he's got one of those. He's got a look. If you've got a disease with a hyphen, you are fucked. That's all I'm going to tell you. I hope you go to the doctor. I hope it works out well for you. But essentially, if you've got punctuation anywhere in your fucking disease, even an apostrophe, like a possessive apostrophe, like Lou Gehrig's disease, you're fucking done. If somebody previously owned your disease, I apologize. Find a bed and get some orange juice and lay in there for three years. Because your legs are gonna atrophy or your eardrums are falling out. Some bullshit's gonna happen. Like your hair's gonna turn into spiders. I don't fucking know. But yeah, if you've got like so he's got like Epstein Bar, some nonsense. But that's that's the thing is he didn't even get a normal disease. Like other in football, usually like, ah, sorry, man, my elbow went backwards. Wrap it up. Get me back in there. But if you've got a fucking hyphen, you can't be back in the game. You gotta tap the fuck out. So one of the cowboys got a hyphen disease. He's out. Their other, like their center hurt himself. So They've completely fallen off a cliff in two fucking years. But instead, but unfortunately, we still got to hear about the Cowboys and a threat and Dak and Ezekiel because they're one of the biggest fucking teams in the nation, just like the Patriots. But at least the Patriots win shit. So when you hear about them, you're like, well, they earned it. They kick everybody's ass. Dallas is just spinning their fucking wheels. Um,. But yeah, but so when I was a kid, I hated Dallas. just like I hated the Dodgers and the fucking Red. Although when I was a kid, I didn't hate the Red Sox because they were they never won anything. So it was up, you couldn't fucking hate them. But I hate them now because they won a million fucking things. And I you know, I hated the Celtics and the fucking. And again, Patriots, too. They were a fun, weird team. We fucked them up in 85, but they were that team that never really got anything done. And you were like, you know what? It's cool to see them kind of get in the playoffs. And now that's all they fucking do. Like I said, they they drafted the fucking Partridge family and they send them all on button hooks. It's fucking brutal. They, they still whip your ass. All (laughs) right, there's a lot of football, I know, man. Um... So I so I got caught up in the red zone because fucking I'm watching, like I said, Saints-Ravens a fun-ass game, uh, even though the, the Ravens are also a slog to watch, but the Saints are there. I mean, Flacco's a slob, but it was still neat to, to watch the game and also to watch the Saints. Anytime you have to watch the Saints, because Saints indoors are a track meet. Saints outdoors, though, that's fun as hell, because you never know if they can do their magical bullshit, and they're always in some fucking tie game with a team they should have destroyed. Like, if they played the Ravens in the Dome, they would have scored 48 points. Meanwhile, they're in this game, they're fighting a turf war with the fucking Ravens, who always, for some reason, have four linebackers who will. Murder you. I don't know how they fucking do it. They always draft guys. Some guy in the seventh round shows up and he's just chewing on a fucking like raw meat handful and they're like, oh yeah, that's the guy. And he gets 14 sacks. And and they used to have a guy named Elvis Doomerville. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? You know who he is? Get used to him because he's in your backfield all the fucking time. Seriously, Elvis has never left the building. He's always left the fucking backfield after he smashed your fucking quarterback. But I'm watching that game and that's fun. And then the Rams, I'm watching Rams Niners which was nothing that that was fucked up, but it was cool because the Rams a have awesome uniforms and B uh, for fantasy shit. Also, that's another thing. If you're playing fantasy football, dude, every game matters. Like, I mean, in that late game, uh, I didn't have any saints or Ravens but I and I didn't have any Redskins or Dallas but I had a guy in the fucking in the Ram game I had George Kittle for the Niners whatever the fuck and I mean I'm and I, you're wondering how Fish Hitler is doing this year in my fantasy league well folks we lost game one which was a drag we've won six in a row since you're goddamn right we're six and one we're in first place by two games we're fucking everybody up although we've got some issues maybe I'll talk about that later not on this show nobody wants to hear that I've talked enough about real football what if I went into fantasy football oh my god how badly do you care you think I thought I was going to broadcast a beam creaking with my noose hanging from it you guys. Would would just send me emails with the sound like a fucking GIF of you guys just jumping off of a stool, and I get to watch yourself hang yourselves. You watch yourself hang yourselves? Yeah, I gotta get ahead of myself there. Uh, all right, so I'm there at home, and I'm I can't leave the games, man. I'm watching the Red Zone channel, and it's fucking it's awesome to watch guys are scoring. They're floating around, they're doing whatever. And then, like I said, best reality show in the fucking world because the Saints uh, give up a touchdown to the Ravens with no time on the clock, and then and this this happens within within maybe. I would say two minutes of one another, 90 seconds to two minutes. Uh, the Cowboys are driving for a tying field goal against the Redskins. Meanwhile, the Ravens are trying to tie the Saints late. So the Ravens get down and they they fucking score a touchdown with six seconds left, I think it was. And everybody goes crazy because if they get the extra point, they're going overtime. So we're going overtime. And it's in Baltimore, so the place is going crazy. So uh, so Baltimore, meanwhile, on the split screen, Dallas is driving to try to get this field goal. And, uh, so Baltimore lines up to kick the extra point, And once you kick the extra point, you're going to overtime and their kicker kicks the extra point. And I'm telling you, he hit it true and it looked like it was going through the, the the uprights. And then all of a sudden it just, it just did a fucking curly from the three stooges. It just, went whoop, 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 and it veered to the right. And, and I mean, it, it, he missed it. Justin Turner, who'd never missed an extra point in his entire goddamn life, missed an extra point. And I mean his life. I'm not even joking. College or the pros, he'd never missed an extra point. And then he misses one that would have tied the game and sent the game to overtime with five seconds on the clock. So the Saints win. 90 seconds later, Dallas lines up for a fucking field goal and uh, their center gets called for, a, for a, a false start, which they never call in a million years, costing them five extra yards. Well, the kicker then lines up, he bangs it because he has to overcompensate by hitting it that much harder to go five extra yards. He hammers the shit out of it, and it's got plenty of leg. It's got plenty of distance, but then it hits the fucking upright and falls down. Dallas misses and loses. So Baltimore misses and loses, Dallas misses and loses, and you're just like, God damn, this is better than fucking Survivor. It's fantastic to watch football. It's a reality show that's unbelievable. Just like I said two weeks ago when I watched the fucking Patriots and the Chiefs. I sat down in fucking Richard Blaze's Crack Shack and I watched that fucking unfold while well, I wolfed down a fucking chicken choke croque manure and some fucking schmaltz fries. It was beautiful. I had rewarded myself because I had driven hard score, hard, hard score, hard school, hardcore. I had driven and made a, and made a fuck ton of money. So I was like, all right, man, I'm going to go have a fucking sandwich and watch a game. And I watched the whole second half in a fucking sports bar, which, you know, I never get, and I'm alone. I, and I know you're like, oh, that's pathetic and sad, but it wasn't. It was fucking fun. Um, I, you know, I like camaraderie coming out fun and to sit around and watch the game, especially an exciting game like that. And there was a playoff, a baseball playoff game alongside it on another giant television. I enjoy that sort of thing. I like going out. I like people. I like friends. At least I thought I did. <laughs> uh, so then the, that ends and now it's five o'clock in the afternoon and I'm here. And then I'm like, well, there's another game coming on. And it's that thing where I can talk myself into fucking staying in my house, man, where I'm like, don't go, don't go anywhere. Just stay here. Just don't really don't leave. And, uh. I, I, so I sat down and I, cause I was beat again. Remember, I had only had two hours of sleep and I'd been browsing for refrigerators online, looking for stuff and, uh, and trying to find them and look and, and make, make the right choice. And, and then I went and I, I was sitting in my office chair the whole day, cause I'm watching on my laptop. And then I'm like, well, you know, cause my office chair can get a little, you know, once you're in it a long time, it's uncomfortable. So you get up and you go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go sit in one of my good chairs and think this over. So I take my phone over, and I sit in one of my big, I sit in my big purple chair. And I relax and uh and that's and and don't relax, man. When you've only had two hours of sleep, don't fucking relax. You can't. Because I sat there and I started flipping around on the phone and then I'm like, all right, I'm gonna close my eyes for a little bit here and you know, I'm I'm trying to decide what I'm gonna do. Am I gonna go out? Maybe you know, maybe I'll just maybe I'll just go get something to eat and come back and watch the game. Maybe I'll just do that. And and you're that thing where you're talking to yourself and you're trying to convince yourself to do stuff and then you're talking to yourself out of doing stuff and then uh I close my eyes. And uh, like I said, it was about five fifteen. Close my eyes. I'm sitting on the chair. And uh, when you get two hours of sleep, man, it, you uh, you know, it can go quick. Like you, you can get fucking, you can get swallowed up by the quicksand really fucking fast. So sure enough, I'm in the big purple chair and uh, I close my eyes, at 515. And then uh, next thing I know, I open, I open my eyes. I'm like, oh man. Uh, and I grab my phone. It's 645. So now the game has already started. Not only has it started, it's been on for an hour and 20 minutes. So I missed the opening of it. And it's 645. And then I'm like, well you know, I don't want to sleep the night away. Maybe I should go to bed now. And I'm like, well, no, fuck. No, you're not going to do that. And then get what up, up at six in the morning. That's not going to make any sense. Uh, and then I'm like, well, then, you know, maybe you can just go get something quick to eat. And then I go, like, fuck you. What are you doing, man? You drove hard the last two days to reward yourself with today as a day off to do something cool, do something fun. So go do something. So I grabbed my phone. I looked up my arc light app. The next fucking Halloween in a big theater was at eight o'clock. So I bought it. I didn't even ask fucking questions. 6.45 in my head. I go, all right, 6.45, I can do this. So I bought it. Then I went ahead, I grabbed some socks, some shoes. I threw those on and I wanted to have dinner. There was a place I wanted to eat down in Hollywood near the ArcLight. It's about three miles away. Uh, I'd been trying to get to this place for a while. It was a place called Kismet. It's Israeli cuisine. And uh, they, two years ago in 2017, or I should say probably there's last year, 2017, they won the dish of the year in Los Angeles from, I think it was LA Eater or the LA Times. And it was called crispy jeweled rice. And, uh, and I, I just knew that they made it and everybody said it was fantastic. So I said, you know what? I've wanted to go to this place for a while. And i I'd, I'd been trying it's just to get to that side of Hollywood is always kind of a bear. And, uh, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. So I checked my phone. It was 20 minutes from my house to there. So by the time I got dressed, grabbed my stuff, it was 10 to seven. I get out to the car. I drive 20 minutes. I go and I park, I have to park a block away because it's street parking. I get to Kismet. I walk in the door. It's 10 after seven, right? I made it right around 10 after 12 after. And that's why by the minute it really counted by the minute. So I waited at the counter and a guy came up and I said, Hey, look, here's the deal. I said, you know, can you seat one guy? And he goes, well, let me look around and he looks, he goes, you know, we got a couple of big parties coming in, uh, but there is a table that's going to leave. And I said, well, I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be out of your hair in and out. I said, I have a movie at eight o'clock. He goes, Oh, okay. Well, if you got a movie at eight o'clock, he goes, I could probably sit you now. There's a table that with, with one that We were going to squish in with a bu- another table once they left. He goes, but if you can just get in and out. I go, dude, absolutely. So he seats me. I go, let me ask you one more question. Jeweled crispy rice. How long is the preparation on that? He goes, it probably takes about a half hour to make. I said, all right, again, like I said, I'm in and out at 8 o'clock. So you, and he goes, you know what? Let me check with the kitchen. Let me see what I can do. And this dude, he walks in the back, and I'm sitting at the table, and I'm waiting, and, and I'm looking at the menu, and everything looks fucking, it just looked good. It was you know a lot of, a lot of vegetarian stuff. There was only two meat dishes. There was like a, a lemon chicken uh, pine nut pie. And then there was a, uh, like a lamb belly and and, and the preparation on that almost like Moroccan to me. I mean, it was cause it's a Israeli, Middle Eastern cuisine, not that Morocco in the Middle East, but you know what I'm talking about. So then he comes back and he goes, Hey, look, I can put your order in now that can get the jeweled rice down in 15 minutes. Is there anything else that you want? cause I can get that out first and you can kind of start. Eat. And I go, look, I was looking at the cauliflower and I was looking at the carrots and he goes, Oh man, he goes, the carrots is a perfect choice with the rice. Because if I was gonna eat a meal, this is exact that's exactly what I would eat here at this restaurant. And I said, okay, what's your name? And he said, Gabriel. I said, Gabriel, you're the best. Thank you. I want it all. Send it in. So he goes, good, I'll get the cauliflower out first. So it said it's fried cauliflower, but instead they brought it out was kind of roasted with some cumin. And it came with a yogurt dip. And uh, and dudes, it was just badass. I mean, look, I love cauliflower. I love this trend toward having cauliflower rice and cauliflower pizza crusts. I I would eat cauliflower all fucking day long, man. I love it. So it brings out this kind of roasted fried cauliflower, and I ate that with the uh, with the little yogurt dip, which had some uh, uh, like pickled vegetables inside of it. And I'm eating that, and then I'm looking at the clock, and I'm waiting. And I oh, I should tell you this before that even happened, I was waiting when he and he put in the order, or before he even put in the order, he was waiting, he was running, he was helping people. And I looked at him, and I go, it got to be like twenty after, and I go, look, man, I got to be honest, I, I think I'm gonna have to take off. I said, I I don't miss a minute of movies. I'm not that guy. And he goes, no, he goes, I already put in the jeweled rice. I'm just waiting on everything else. What did you want? And then he took my order for the cauliflower and the carrots. So. He brought the cauliflower out. It was so goddamn good. And then he brought out the jeweled rice and the, and the carrots. Now I should tell you the jeweled rice, it is uh it's made in a, in a, a special, like a, like a, a cast iron, like a skillet or a pan. I don't even know. But the point is they flip it upside down. It bakes, it gets a crispy, crunchy crust underneath like the rice on the bottom. And inside the rice, there's fucking two egg yolks. So the egg yolks cook inside the rice. Like it's a little rice mountain and then it's uh, it's filled with currants and then they flip it over and they garnish it with like currants and uh, and toasted i think it was pumpkin seeds and uh, and the and so they flip that over it's got this you know hard shell on the outside which is just crunchy crispy rice and then the carrots are ordered. it was carrots and chickpeas in an almond broth and, uh, and it was rustic and it was delicious and it was amazing. And so I cut open the jeweled rice and the, the, the yolk runs out and it mixes in with the rice. I put that on my plate. I put some carrots on top of that with some of the broth and, uh, and, and God damn, was it delicious. I look, I like different food. I like weird food. Like I said, Jesuit made fucking ramen last week and it was so delicious. It was so good. It just has, you know, you can settle for garbage, but why? What's the point? Like I said, we're all going to be dead soon. Everyone's going to die. We got 20. <laughs> I, got, I got I got one fridge left in my life. Why would I waste it by by putting in garbage? I'd rather eat fucking good food. So I ate, I, and I ate maybe a, a seventh of this rice. I only ate like, you know, a big two spoonfuls of it, one and a half and two spoonfuls of the carrots and a couple of the pieces of the cauliflower. And then Gabriel came over. I said, hey, look, I said, I'm, I think I'm going to take off. He goes, great, man. I'll bag it all up. I'll get you a check. Let's roll. And he comes over. He's like, "Hey, man, I just want to let you know that the, uh, you know, there's no tipping necessary. The gratuity's already worked in. That's the way we do it here at this restaurant." I said, "Great." Uh, He brought up all my food. He put it in a bag, and I went. I had ten more bucks, and I go. uh, A waiter came over, and uh, and I said, "Hey, is there a a manager that I could speak to?" He goes, "Yeah, hold on a second. I'll 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 grab somebody for you." So uh, I'm waiting there. I got my leftovers, and like I said, I got ten bucks in my hand, and uh, I, I gave my credit card to another person, and they went to pay the bill. And then Gabriel walked up. He goes, hi. And uh, he goes, uh, they're telling me you want to speak to a manager. And I'm the general manager of this establishment. I said, well, dude, then you're just going to hear what, I, what, I, what I've already been telling you. Uh, you went above and beyond. And you really took care of me in a way that I didn't expect. And, you know, you never know what you're going to get when you go to a place like this. And I tried to be as forthcoming about what I needed to do. And you totally met all of my expectations. He goes, well, that's all I wanted to do. As long as we know what you need, we can accommodate you and we can take care of it. I go, well, you absolutely did. And I'm going to roll out of here. I'm probably going to make my movie. I was able to finally come here. I've been trying to get here for a year. And uh, and I'm so happy that I was finally able to make it. He goes, well, look, that makes my heart happy that you would tell me something like that. And it, it, I'm and and my staff is going to be thrilled. And and I, I just appreciate the compliment so much. And I go, well, here. And I gave him 10 bucks. He goes, well, you don't have to give me that. I go, I understand that. I go, uh, I go, you know, make sure the staff gets it. He goes, well, I, like I told you, it's already on the bill. I go, that's fine. I go, you guys went over and above and beyond. And you really took care of me. And I appreciate it. And uh, he was happy. He was like, really, thank you. And I walked out. I booked it. I went to the fucking theater. And it also took my mind off of worrying about the movie. Cause I was worried about the movie. I'm not going to lie to you. And once I got back into my car and I started to hustle to the theater, you know, I started to worry about time because I didn't want to miss a second of it. And also I got to see an entire film. You know me, I don't give up. I don't want to fucking miss any moments, but at the same time, um, I started to worry, uh, because I didn't have the time. Cause when I woke up at 6:45, I banged it. I bought the ticket. I didn't have time to think that's a key, not having time to think, getting to the theater, rushing through, getting to the restaurant, rushing through, don't have time to think because my, my mind's my enemy a lot of the time. And it tells me, you don't want to do this. You're going to be in a room with a bunch of people who the fuck knows how they're going to behave. You're going to have to do something. And I, I, and I, I shouldn't be like that. I shouldn't, but it shows up and I try to defeat it. I try to think through it. I try to go slowly and make it work. Uh, but then when I got to the theater and I parked on the street and I started to walk past the homeless of Los Angeles, doing disgusting things on the corner of sunset and vine, then it set in and I said to myself, fuck, all right, you're going to this movie. It's going to be fun. You're going to have fun. But at the same time, it's going to be a packed house and hopefully nobody does anything dumb and you don't have to get involved. And I just, and I just started to dread it. If I, if I give my mind that window, it will go ahead instead of anticipating the movie and going, I can't wait to see this movie. This is going to be really exciting in my head. I'm thinking what bad thing am I going to have to deal with? It's, it's a weird curse. And one, like I said, I'm trying to fight with and trying to get over and trying to get past. So I got into the theater And, uh, I walked downstairs, I got to, you know, and I, you know, I sit in the back row, as you know, because I don't want anybody behind me. It's part of my strategy to not have to fight more than one person. (laughs) If people behind me aren't misbehaving, then all I got to worry about is everybody in front of me. I got eyes. I don't sit with my back. I sit with my back to the restaurant. I sit with my back to the theater. I don't want any surprises behind me. I don't want to have to deal with any situations cropping up. So I get up, I'm sitting in row Z seat 17 and, uh, I said packed house, and that was a you know betrayal. Actually, it was it was probably about two thirds full, but only a few people in the back row, which was good. But I will tell you, there were people in the row directly in front of me, and so when I go up and I sit down, and right when I walked into the theater, I will tell you this. Uh, I walked into the theater and that was when the arc light person came in to give their little speech. So I, I literally, there was no wait time when I walked in, she walked up to the front and I was getting to my seat and I sat down and she's like, you're here to see Halloween and everybody clapped. Yay. And she said, at a running time of hour and, you know, hour and 41 minutes or whatever, order 46 minutes. And she's giving the speech telling you who stars. And it. it's what they do at the arc light. They give you this breakdown and they go, okay, enjoy your film. And then uh, the lights go down. And she said, there was seven minutes of previews. Now, you know, my, I've already told you with previews. I don't, if you talk, that's fine. I I don't care. Uh, I mean, I do care. I'd rather you didn't, but I understand it now. But once the movie starts, you got to shut up. But at the same time, uh, there has to be a limit on how you behave. I mean, you can't just fucking Lord of the flies, the theater. I mean, it's not, it's not your theater. Other people are there. And, and, and I hate to be a guy who's like, Hey man, I just paid 20 bucks to get into this fucking place. But, uh, I'm a guy who just paid 20 bucks to get into this fucking place. I mean, seriously, there's no other way to look at it. So I don't want it ruined. I want to experience it in in a cool way, but I also don't want bad things to fucking happen. And I recognize people are all having their own experiences and that's great, but you have to realize you're in a room with other people who've all paid for the privilege to be there as well. So to my immediate right, three seats down, one row in front of me, there are two people. And, uh, it's a a boy and a girl. And I say that because they were probably 15, probably 14. And, uh, they were sitting together and they were laughing and joking. Ha 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 ha. And then the lights went down and they started to joke around and they, and, and, uh, immediately the trailer starts. It's for a movie called the prodigy. I don't give a fuck about that, but the lights are down and the trailers have started. And, uh, the boy now, please remember, I've only been in the theater now for about three minutes because I walked in for her speech. And then the lights went down. So I'm in the theater. I'm I'm like, whew, I sit down three, four minutes and uh, they start already. The, the lights go down and they start ha ha ha. And they start being loud with one another. And again, I, whatever it's the trailers, that's fine. But the, the trailer starts and the boy takes out his phone. And in my head, I'm like, is he going to film this trailer? That seems weird. No, uh, he's going to go on YouTube and watch videos with his phone turned all the way up. Now I have an iPhone ten. He had an iPhone ten. So I I I can't stress enough. If you don't, if you have the like, imagine if you have an iPhone ten, turn it all the way up. Just play. I mean, I, I've been on a plane before and accidentally like, you know, I'm looking at Instagram and start. I get embarrassed because it's so fucking loud. I have to turn it off immediately, uh, or put my hear my my earbuds in. Uh, because everybody can hear it. You can you can hear it from 15, 20 feet away. It's loud. I mean, they you know they fixed the speaker in the phone. So he pulls out the phone and, and he's watching something. And then the girl's laughing and they're pointing at it. And then he's just like, Oh my God. And they're, and they're talking very loudly. Look at this. Oh my God, look at this part. And the, the theater is fighting with it because the theater's playing a movie, uh, you know, because that's what the theater does. You paid to get in to watch a goddamn movie and whether it's a trailer or not, it's still loud. It's still competing for your attention, but they, instead of recognizing that and going, Oh, well, yeah, take a look at this. They are shouting over the trailer to draw attention to what's going on on their phone to one another as if they're alone. Like they don't, they don't have a fucking clue in the world or a care in the world that anybody else is around them. And, uh, and I felt it and I knew it. And I felt my palms start to get a fucking like sweaty. And I started to get fucking my heartbeat going. And I, because it's like, what are you doing? You, you don't, it's just incivility. I've talked about it. Disrespect and incivility are, are just crushing. And I, and I can't be fucking mismanners. I can't walk around and police everybody for the bullshit that they're doing. But I, I wind up, do I wind up, I, I just in my brain, that's what I want to do. So I look around and there's nobody in their row. And there's nobody directly in front of them is going to do anything. But there's a couple people who kind of turn around and look at them at the row that's in front of them. But they're not directly in front of them. And they look and I look at them and I kind of make eye contact. And I look to my left and there's two two dudes and they look at me and they shake their head like, yeah, fuck, I can't believe it. And I'm like and I look around. I'm like, is anybody going to do or say anything? Is anyone going to do? And, you know, and now here's the worst part. I'm missing the trailer for the prodigy. This could be the greatest movie ever made. Clearly not the greatest movie ever made. Uh, the little kid from It is in it, so he's always a scary presence. And then there's like a woman and a tiptoeing and fucking it's a scary house. Whatever the fuck. When you see a scary movie, they try to put scary trailers with it. But And I wouldn't know. The Prodigy could have Meryl Streep in it because I can't watch it because all I know is these motherfuckers are watching YouTube videos a- as loudly as they possibly can and then going, ha ha, stupid. Look at this. Oh, this is fucking dumb. Ha ha. And, I, and um, I looked around for help I looked around for somebody to step up. I looked around for anybody closer to them to say something and, uh, and nobody decided to take up the mantle. And so guess what folks, uh, I, I, I had to, I had to do it. I know you're probably thinking, well, Mike, you didn't have to, you could have calmed down. I had to fucking do it, man. I, uh, I stood up cause I had to walk over. They weren't, they weren't close. I mean, I could have yelled, but then I'm just part of the fucking problem. I stood up, I walked over and, uh, and I, I stood over them. So, I mean, it's like, I, now I'm, I mean, and look, I'm i I'm a, if nothing else, I'm a presence, you know, I'm there. I don't give a fuck if you're watching YouTube or you're sleeping. If I stand over directly over your shoulder and also I'm a row behind them. So they're sitting down in chairs. I'm standing up over them. And I, I walk over and I'm standing and I look down at them and they look up. And I mean, again, I'm a giant in the dark with this fucking haircut and I'm, I'm, you can see I'm all business like my face. And I, and, and I will, I will tell you this. I, because I am always ready for that sort of thing to happen. I went over hot. I didn't have to, I mean, I could have gone over and been like, Hey guys, you gotta, you gotta take that somewhere else. Or you gotta, you know, I mean, I could have. I I regret it now. I could have handled it completely differently. Uh, But instead, I walk over and I stood over them and I leaned down as the boy looked up and he saw me and I just looked at him and I go, you're not at home. And he looks at goes, uh, what I go. This isn't your house. Turn off your phone. Everybody can hear it. It's ridiculous. And he goes, yes, sir. I'm I'm sorry, sir. And I go, all right. He goes, yes, sir. And he kind of fumbles with the phone and the girl looks at me just kind of slack jawed. I said, this isn't your house. And I turned around. I walked over and I sat down. <laughs> um, and it, I didn't swear, so I didn't yell. I didn't, but I had bass in my voice, and I stared him right in the eyes. Like, and he fumbled. Boy, he he crumbled. He didn't fight me. He didn't want it because I was ready. That's the thing is, I go over. I went over hot because I was ready for the argument or oh man, shut up, old man or whatever the fuck. And I'm sure part of that was the intimidation factor of youth, where I thought, well, you know, these guys are young, and I and I'm I can't I shouldn't do this. I I don't know, man. I don't know what was inside me. All I know is. It felt like incivility and disrespect to an entire room of people who had each paid $20 to walk in and see something, experience it, and have fun. And I went and sat down, and I looked to my left, and, uh, and the two dudes are just like nodding, like, yeah, you fucking took care of that. And the, other, and the people in front of them also that I had made eye contact turned around and looked and one, This girl gives me just a thumbs up. And I sat down. So that made me feel better. Uh, but the prodigy trailer ends with a, with a spooky old man jumping out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, okay, whatever. But I couldn't, I couldn't appreciate the spooky old man. Cause I didn't get the buildup. Uh, I was instead scolding a teenage couple because you know when I was 15. I used to be 15. I did dumb shit when I was 15. But then again, when I was 15, if a fucking man came over to you and looked at you and said, Hey man, shut the fuck up. You shut the fuck up. So thankfully they went, yes, sir. i oh, was sorry. sorry, sir. And they put it off. They turned it off and put it away right away. Uh, so the prodigy trailer ends and the next trailer starts and, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, a couple comes walking down that aisle and, and sits, it's their mom and dad, their mom and dad are with them. They were just out getting concessions. So their mom and dad sit down and I look at the dad and the dad is, uh, you know, he's got tattoos up and down his fucking arms. He's got a big ass beard in my head. I'm like, well, I'm gonna have to fucking go around and around with this guy. I know that's going to have to happen. Uh, but they sat down and they leaned over and they started talking to the kids. And I, I fu- and I fully expected, I looked that I'm waiting for them to point at me and him to look at me or come confront me. And I'm, so I'm sitting there. So, uh, so then, you know, the trailer for Pet Cemetery rolls. I don't even get to see that fucking trailer. First of all, why are you remaking that fucking movie? It doesn't make any sense to me, except John Lithgow's in it, which is great. But I mean, I don't understand why you're remaking Pet Cemetery. I mean, even the first one, I, someone told me it's a cult classic. I'm like, I don't, man, I saw it and I don't, it, it didn't leave any memory on me whatsoever except the fact that Herman Munster is it and Sometimes Dead is Better. Those are the only two things I ever fucking remember. Um, and I think there's a mean cat at some point. But I mean, why are you remaking Pet Cemetery? But they did, and they are. And, uh, but that wouldn't, then again, I didn't get to enjoy the trailer because the whole time I'm waiting to fucking go round and round with hillbilly dad and his big ass beard and tattoos. But thankfully they never said anything to their dad. He looked back at me. And, and then, uh, so then I was fully able to settle in and wait for the movie to start. <laughs> I was very happy. And then Halloween started. And I got to tell you, man, Halloween was great. It was totally fun. I don't want to spoil anything for you guys. If you want to talk about it and, and write me notes or whatever the fuck I'll talk about it, but I would love to go into the plot, but you know, the fucking plot It's Laurie Strode, but I will tell you this, uh, there's a lot of neat uh nods to the previous Halloween's uh and and they're in there and that's pretty cool. When you see those, you laugh, you recognize that. It's got a it's got a fun whiz-bang quality to it. The the soundtrack is amazing. You got John Carpenter on board to redo that. And and John Carpenter did a thing in this movie that I, I guarantee you he's been thinking about since he did the original Halloween. There's a scene where somebody's, somebody's doing something. I don't want to give it away, but someone's doing something. And you know, the Halloween theme, (laughs) right? Well, this person is walking around, it's quiet, you know, nothing's going on. And all of a sudden you just hear like a slow version of the theme. And in my head, I'm like, like, like as if the theme were in a jack-in-the-box, you know that thing? It just, it's slow. The, more you, the slower you turn the handle, the slower the notes go. I know John Carpenter his whole time is like, why did I not use a slower version of the fucking theme in the movie? Why didn't I do that? Because he instead he had that ding, 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 which is fucking amazing. I mean, the Halloween soundtrack's amazing. It's on my fucking phone for fuck's sake. It used to be my ringtone. Love it. But, but it was just that much of an improvement to have him do that. And then there's this, uh, another scene where something really happens and this music shifts and there's like a roar and it's going on and on to to indicate that really the shit is at the fan and man, was it great. So, I mean, it was just, it was just totally fun. It was a lot of fun people doing, you know, and, and nods to stuff and you got to see Laurie Strode and, and, uh, it was great. I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to give it away, but you should see it. If you like horror movies, it's totally fun. And it's a throwback to like, uh, to like, you know, the stuff you saw when you were a kid, or at least if you're my age, uh, you know, now you see horror movies and they're all psychological and bullshit and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, dude, the, the, this, this was a really fun, cool movie. And again, it's also one of those movies where if you talk about it for more than five minutes, you can go, well, why did that happen? Why did this happen? Why did? But you got to fucking throw all that out the window. Because again, there's a psychotic killer who's escaping from a fucking mental hospital and you got to realize, well, you know, that, then you know what? That sets the tone and everything else after that. Don't ask any fucking questions. Um, but it was crazy fun. and I was happy I went, man. And I was happy I got it in my fucking house. I went and got my crunchy jeweled rice. I went and got and saw, saw Halloween, uh, and and I went and got home in time to fucking get some sleep. I got eight hours of sleep Sunday night. It was I was I was proud of myself, man. I was really proud because I had worked hard after getting home from San Francisco and then rewarded myself with a, a cool ass Sunday, well, full of football and 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 jeweled rice and and fucking the shape. It was great. And uh, and I will tell you this: as much as I enjoyed Halloween. Uh, That was my second favorite movie that I saw last week. Uh, You know, and and like I said, I'm sure you're thinking, well, Mike, did you go see the El Royale movie that you wanted to see? Mike, did you see First Man with people going to the moon and trying to win Oscars? Uh, Could that could that be more? of an Oscar bait movie, like just, uh, it's, it's Neil Armstrong concerned women. And then ah, we'll never get to the moon. I say, blast it. We'll definitely get to the moon. Okay. Here's your Oscar. You fuck. And I love Ryan Gosling, but Jesus, I don't care. You know, I, I, and that said, like I was gonna say, I don't care about real stuff. No, if you make movies about real stuff, that's great. I'm excited. Like the big short was fucking amazing. And that's why I'm so excited for fucking vice, which is, which is Christian Bale as Dick Cheney and fucking sam rockwell as as bush i mean that i saw that trailer i was like i want to see this now like where the fuck is it i demand it so halloween was fantastic i loved it but uh i had actually reached out to jesuit last week and i said hey man what if we uh what if we saw Halloween while I was up there? Probably Thursday night. And Jesuit was very nice about it. And, and he's like, look, man, uh, you know, that's a great idea. Except, you know, I got my daughter while you're here. I think I mentioned and we're probably not going to be going out. And, and again, this is another reason for me to tell you, I can't stress enough. I can't reiterate it enough. If I'm coming to your place, hide your daughter's. Uh not, not for the regular reason but just because i you know i want to hang out send your daughter to your significant other's house get him, you know send him to a friend's house uh, get him an airbnb do that get your daughter an airbnb let her live like a grown-up for a couple of days because you know what schmitty's coming to town you got to fucking clear it out the talents in town man you got to give him a wide berth uh i'm teasing we're having fun of course if i come to your town let your daughter stick around well, that's that sounds even worse hey if i come to town make sure your daughter's there that sounds uh crazy but uh <laughs> but I guess uh, no, I didn't mind her. She was a lovely woman, and I was glad to meet her. And that's terrific. And uh, woman, that seems strong. Uh, yeah, probably not a woman. She's twelve. Yeah, is that a woman? That's not right. And she just turned twelve when I got there. So woman is that's way we're advancing her way beyond her years. She's she got bumped above her pay grade there with the word woman. Um, although I don't know. Again, I don't know what kids are like. They might she, maybe she wants to be a, a woman. Uh, You know, because kids are like, I'm all grown up, you know, and they don't want to be pigeonholed as children. I don't fucking know how it works. And I, but she was lovely. Uh, and she, I'm sure she wouldn't mind and she'd get, o- get over it, whatever I said. And she'd run it in stride and roll her eyes at me and laugh because she did a lot of that while I was in town. Um, So maybe she's not maybe, you know, she, maybe she's not a girl, but not yet a woman. How about that? She's somewhere in the she's in the tween hood. Is that tweens? I don't even know. Uh, you're not a girl. You're not a woman. Uh, you're not a lady. You're not a, an infant or a toddler. I don't know the words. <laughs> I'm just going to bust out a ton of dumb stuff that doesn't make any fucking sense. But why should this week be different than any other week? Um... She's not a girl, not a woman. She's somewhere in the middle. So she's 12. Fuck it. She's 12. She's a girl, man. That's it. She's a, she's a 12 year old girl. There was no doubt. She turned 12 while I was there. Uh, cause here, I'll tell you what, this will this will totally drive home exactly how much of a girl she was. And it made me laugh. And I thought it was really cute. And I remembered it. We went out for pizza on her birthday. And then she's like, I want frozen yogurt. We were going to go to something place called Tucker's ice cream. And then that turned out to be a, 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 she didn't want it. You know, again, when you're a kid, man, you're calling the shots. You're like the little kid in where the wild things are. You're pointing at stuff. You get it. The monsters just, you know, me and me and Jesuit were, we're just the two monsters walking around the fire and she's the kid in a little suit going, let's go here. Let's go there. Perfect. Uh, so she wanted frozen yogurt. So we walked, we went out and we walked and uh, we found a frozen yogurt place that was fucking awful. I mean, it was just, it was some Korean, it was one of these joints. Like they had bubble tea and they had gelato and they had frozen yogurt. And for some reason they had octopus. They had a sign that said "octopus available," and uh, and so I, of course I got to do that to her. I'm like, "Hey, do you want to you want to play the octopus for your birthday? What do you want here?" Uh, and she's just like, "No, no, that's gross. Oh my god!" But i you know of course I wanted to order it just to gross her out, but I didn't because I'm not that guy. Uh, but then she got her frozen yogurt, and she might as well have ordered an octopus for all the fun she, she ate of it because it had like she took two bites and she like this is gross. And then Jesuit bite it, bites it, bites it, ugh, and he ate it. He ate it, and he goes, "Yeah, this is gross." And uh, I got gelato, and I had a uh, fig and brown butter gelato, and then I had them top it with a scoop of butter pecan. And, uh, man, that was a huge mistake. Fig and brown butter, uh, perfect. Or uh, it was almond and fig. I apologize. Fig, almond, and brown butter. It was fucking... That was really good. But then they put butter pecan on it, and butter pecan is just one of those fucking flavors anybody can do. Like any fucking hillbilly with a goddamn salt spinner in his yard can whip out a batch of butter pecan. You You know, you throw a stick of butter, you throw in some pecans, some sugar, some milk, some eggs, you're done. That's it. You've made it. Anybody in the world can make butter pecan. There's no... Tried and true secret recipe. You are not fooling anybody, and because again, if you go to a fucking any place in America, vanilla, chocolate, butter pecan is like their exotic one. Although moose tracks is is heading up on the outside of that too. I always see moose tracks everywhere, and I am just like, this isn't. It's just ice cream with candy in it. You just you put a blizzard in a container. Don't don't pretend that you've invented the fucking wheel here. This is not the moose tracks ice cream wheel, motherfucker. This is just goddamn regular ice. It's a blizzard. That's what you gave me. But butter pecan's been like that since I was a kid. That was the exotic one. You had chocolate. You had vanilla. You had strawberry. Uh, before Actually, before cookies and cream came around, butter pecan was always the fallback where you're like, ooh, let's get something different. And then cookies and cream showed up. You're like, ooh, well, I didn't realize you could get this now. Oh, my word. Uh, because I'm the oldest man alive. Yes, I was around when they invented ice cream. Only They only had three, four flavors when I was a kid. Then they invented a fifth. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so she got her, her her yogurt and she had a couple of bites, didn't like it. We walked out of there. Oh, so I, I ruined mine by putting the butter pecan on top because it was just very pedestrian. Uh, and we walked outside. And Jesuit was telling me, Stuff that his daughter had planned, like she has a girl who's her friend, and they have a pact. Like someday in the future they'll have babies or whatever, and and they're but they don't know how they're gonna. He, you know how kids are. They have a, a rule. We're not gonna get married, but we want to have babies, but we don't know what we're gonna do. Blah blah blah. And uh, we're in a club, and uh, whatever kids do. And he was explaining this, and she goes, "Nope, that's old. That's an old version." And uh, he said, really? She goes, yeah, we have a new plan now. And she started to explain the new plan. And uh and she's he's like, Were well, you gonna get married? She's like, No, we're not getting married. And he's like, Well, how are you planning to have babies? She goes, There's other ways to have babies besides doing it you and and i dudes i fucking I, I just stared off into the distance i wanted to laugh but i didn't want her to be uncomfortable although she maybe she meant it to be funny but i had to laugh i just like covered my my face i'm just like oh man uh, that was gorgeous doing the ew. that's that's what's what she summed it up as yeah there's you know what and and the best part is looking at her dad like dad come on there's other ways to have babies besides doing the ew. so perfect and uh and, and again he's just like i don't all right that's fine and, and i will tell you this that that Coming out of her, that made complete sense because his daughter just turned 12, but she was crazy woke. Like she knew about gay marriages and she, she, uh, he was telling me, he's like, she can never imagine a time when gay people couldn't get married to her. It makes no sense. And, uh, and so we had a discussion about how these, these generations of of kids are hopefully going to wipe all of that bullshit off the face of the earth and nobody will ever think twice about, you know, anybody getting married because being who they want to be, um, because she, yeah, she believes in you know whatever. She was she was very socially conscious, particularly for an eleven slash twelve year old, and I, I found it great. But then still, there was enough little kid in her to say doing that. You so I had to, uh, little smart kid, you know she was awesome. But then then she busted that out, and I'm like that is fantastic. I loved it. Um, so I said I was like I wanted to watch Halloween. He's like you know I've got my daughter. We probably can't do that. He goes, but I will do you one better. And I don't know what could be better than Halloween. I said, what's up? He goes. Have you, I mean, I, and by the way, I should tell you his face lit up in a way I have never seen. I've only met the guy twice, but still just glee on his face. And he goes, have you seen Mandy? And I said, no, it's on the list. It's something. I, and he goes, oh my God, you, all right, I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't see it. I, we're watching it. We're definitely watching that Thursday night. I said, okay. I, yeah, I said, it's on, I've been told, you know, I've everything I've heard about it is good, but uh, I wanted to see it in the theater, but it kind of disappeared pretty quick. And he's like, it does, it does, I have it. We're watching it. That's fine. No more questions asked. So Thursday, uh, you know, he has a ritual with his daughter before she goes to sleep. They watch 30 Rock. They watch one or two 30 Rocks. And so I went downstairs, watched some 30 Rock with them. And then he he took her and he put her to bed, tucked her in or whatever, came downstairs. He's like, all right, uh, let's watch Mandy. And I said, all right, I'm in, you know, let's do it. And he turned it on. And uh, I should tell you, his in the coldest basement in America, he, I've mentioned, you know, we don't do anything down there and it's just this empty place, but it's not, it's got a futon and a, uh, not a futon, a chase, uh, a, you know, like a sectional, like a couch with a chase lounge, uh, huge TV. And then I didn't realize this, but it has a sound bar, you know, that woofer, that big sound bar that you put in front of your television and it's got surround sound in the basement. So he's got speakers all over the place. So he throws on Mandy and, and it starts I'll tell you again, I, I had heard good things, but I all I'd heard was Nicholas Cage goes crazy. That, that was all I knew about the movie. Everybody said it's a, a movie where, you know, Nicholas Cage does some crazy stuff. And, and at this point, fuck, doesn't, doesn't every movie he's in mean Nicholas Cage goes crazy. I mean, it's, he's not exactly subtle these days. You know, I, I used to, I wrote a joke about him once, right? Cause again, he was just, he's just churning him out. That's what he does. And, uh, I wrote I forget what the joke I wrote. I can't remember the setup, but the punchline was it was something along the lines of you know, there's this movie, this movie, and then Nicolas Cage's newest release, Dudes, I just bought a castle. Like he, cause we he just had to fucking make something to pay off the fucking the 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 tower he keeps Rapunzel in. Cause that's you know, he's that fucking dude, man. Nicolas Cage, he's he's buying like fucking Babe Ruth's baby teeth. And and fucking old uniforms from coal miners in the 20s. And I'm sure he's he's he's, he's Daniel Plainview. You know, I, I mentioned that I referenced that I think last week or even this week was it. I don't remember if I did. But I mentioned earlier in the show. Fuck. Um, no, fuck it. It was last week I mentioned it, I think. And he but he's just this eccentric fucking he's got a bowling alley in his basement. But he, I'm sure he's got like a bowling alley, but he uses a human skull and he bought the human skull off of some fucking tribe. I mean, he's Nicholas Cage. That's he, when he got all that fucking money. Uh, you you need to find a way to spend it. I mean, if you, I I can't imagine. It's like with this fucking Mega Millions tonight. It's it's at one point six billion dollars. Did I buy tickets? Of course, I bought tickets. I got, I bought, I won four dollars on on the last drawing, so that's gonna go, and then I'll buy another ten. So I'll have, I'll have seven tickets. I got seven entries. I got news for you. If if this show never airs, you will know that I won because I've, 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 nah, bullshit. Fuck that. Even if I won, I would do a goddamn show because I got to tell you at least. Hey, I'm never doing another show again. We're done. Um. But yeah, so he's he's got that. I can't imagine having that kind of money. He had he's had fuck you money forever. It's like I read this this thing about Johnny Depp. I think it was Variety they, or Rolling Stone. They they did an article on him, and he's another one of those dudes, man, who's made all this money, and now he's Elvis. They just become Elvis. Nicolas Cage became Elvis. But he you know, but the thing was, he wanted to be Elvis. Johnny Depp became Elvis. His only friends are like two bodyguards and a lawyer. He sits in this fucking chateau in France. Uh, in France. <laughs> yeah, he actually bought a country. That's what he named the island he he lives on, France. Uh he he lives in a fucking chateau in France in Fran- I can't how chateau in France. There you go. All right, I couldn't even say the fucking phrase. Uh and he's just he's staying up all night till like eight in the morning watching his old videos and going, "Ooh, watch this. I did this with Marilyn Manson." And then he and Marilyn Manson film like him and girls in a bedroom for 5 hours and then they put a song to it. I mean, just it's I mean, Johnny Depp's a fucking loon. I mean, he went fucking wackadoo and it's a fucking drag. You know, you're like, oh, man, I loved this dude. And uh, and you loved Nicolas Cage. But eventually, you know, it, it, there comes a time where if nobody's telling you no and you've got all the fucking money in the world to do whatever you want, you're, you're going to be looked at as a fucking psychopath. You know, if you're if you're buying dinosaur bones and eagles, then <laughs> things are crazy. But Nicolas Cage has been making these movies, these small movies, where he just goes nuts. That's the whole point. You know, not Wicker Man B's nuts, but he does he he's a very aggressive performer. And that's kind of the shtick. And it's become a cliche. So I had heard that Mandy was Nicolas Cage goes nuts, so I was prepared for that. What I was not prepared for was what I'm going to say is the best movie I've seen this year. Uh, And and quite frankly, what might be my favorite movie that I've seen in the past couple years. Because I sat there as it unfolded, transfixed by something I can only describe as art. And I know that sounds pretentious and silly, uh, but I can't stop thinking about it. It's been a week. No, it's been a, all right, I'll, I'll get into that in a minute, but it's been a week and I cannot stop thinking about, I can't stop recommending it. I told everybody at the gym, I told my trainers, I told other people. And, uh, and I will tell you this when, uh, Jesuit recommended it. He's like, look, I saw it he goes, I, and he, but he, you know, he got high with a bunch of fucking friends after their band practice and they all watched it downstairs. He goes, so, you know, I watched it like that. And so I'm letting you know that it, he goes, look, he goes, this isn't, he goes, if you might've heard it's Nicholas Cage goes crazy. He goes, it's pretty slow. Like it's a slow movie in the beginning. And then a lot of stuff happens. And again, I, I'm not going to spoil anything, so don't run away, but I'm going to talk in detail as much as I can, but not about plot and things that occur in the movie. Cause I want you to see it and I want you to enjoy it as much as I did. I want you taken by surprise like I was. Uh, but here's what Jesuit did. He's like, Hey, we watched it with friends and we got like crazy high and, and it was amazing and fun. He goes, but look, I gotta warn you. He goes, it's slow. Because it's really slow. Like, I mean, it's it's you know, like the first hour or so is really slow, and I don't know if that's going to be a thing. But you got to stick with it, and you got to make sure it's okay. And I go and I look at him, and I go, I I, I know how to watch movies." He goes, "All right," but I just want to warn you because I don't want to oversell it and say that it's this. And you go in expecting a certain thing because you've already said that it's Nicolas Cage he goes crazy. He goes I, and, and you know there will be a certain amount of that, but I want you to know that. And I go, "Look, dude, it's cool. I'm I'm ready. <laughs> I'm fine, man. You don't have to. I because people do that, and I don't know if it's partially if he would do that with anybody else, or if it's partially because it's me." Because they're recommending something so highly, they don't want me to just go, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? And, uh, and you, and I, that might be just a reflex with everybody, but also, um, there's still a little bit of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the talent and Jesuit's my new friend and, and he probably doesn't, you know, you, you do that thing where you couch it in. I don't want to look stupid in front of this guy. I'm telling him something's great. And if he doesn't think it's great, I'm going to look silly. I do a lot of that myself. So I understood it, but at the same time I was just like, dude, calm down. I know how to watch movies. It's fine. You know, <laughs> I mean it's it's great. So this movie starts and uh and I I I won't I can't give it away. It's you know what? It's like a poem. It's it's like poetry. It's it's art. If I was going to describe it in a sentence, I I I said this to Jesuit. It's it's if a Tool song was a movie. I mean, it it is absolutely beautiful in its in its brutality. And in its in its vision, I, I'm telling you, I can't what I'm always endlessly fascinated by people doing things I can't do. I think I told you when I saw Black Hawk Down in a theater with Jimmy uh, Pardo when we were on the road in El Paso, we went and saw Black Hawk Down and I walked out of there astonished. I'm like, I don't know how the fuck anybody could make that movie. There's a, a chase through the streets of Mogadishu. I wouldn't know where to put the cameras or put the dudes on the roof or any of that fucking stuff. How do you control a thousand people and make them all do the same thing at once? That's craziness. I felt the same way about Avatar. Hey, man, Avatar story, the script—we'll yeah, we'll argue all day. I'm sure it was—you know—I heard it's Fern Gully, whatever the fuck. Yeah, it's a simplistic plot, and yes, Graham Elwood—he did his thing about we're not in Kansas anymore. Totally valid point. I get this, but I saw it as a as a project in total. I saw it as as, as a as an accomplishment rather than even a movie. Just to just to be able to do something like that—to to create a world to envision a completely new and different world and then translate it on screen was for me an astonishing achievement because I do this, you know what I mean? I fucking talk and I tell stories and look, I, I'm not selling myself short. It's, it's, they're different gifts in different areas, but for me to see somebody create something so visual and so lyrical was, was amazing. And Mandy is in that camp for me. I, I, have never heard of Panos Cosmatos or Cosmatos or Cosmatos. I don't know what the fuck his name is. Gravitas. I don't fucking know, man. He's the director and writer of Mandy. I did a little three, you know, I I didn't want to know anything about it. So I did, I, you know me, I watched one trailer and then I, I'm, I'm ready for the movie. It's It's what I did with Halloween. I watched the first trailer like four months ago and I never read another fucking word about it. I didn't want to know a goddamn thing. I go in clean. So with Mandy, I was super clean because I don't I don't fucking know Panos Cosmatos is I know Nicolas Cage, but I didn't know any of the other actors in the movie. I just like I said, I, I I from what I had heard it was Nicolas Cage goes nutso. And that's what I was ready for. What I was not ready for was one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen in my life. And when I say beautiful, I mean appearing uh, visually the colors, the the settings, the shots, uh, the tints, the the lushness of the the world he created, and I'll tell you what it's set in 1983. So you're ready, you're ready for like a lot of 1980s bullshit to happen. And the only thing that really betrays that is uh, the woman uh, Andrea uh, Riseborough, who plays Mandy. She's wearing a, she has a Sabbath shirt on and a, and a Motley Crue shirt on, like she's wearing those 80s concert T-shirts. So you're like, oh okay, that kind of is a touchstone. Um, but other than that, this this thing could take place in the 1300s. Other than you know other cars and shit like that. I mean, it is. It is absolutely stunning to see what he did. And it's said, as I said, it's set in 1983 Panos Cosmatos. I did the research on him. He, he made one movie in 2010 that I read was just okay. People are like, well, it was okay. It was a sci-fi movie and it had vision to it. And this movie struck me as a guy eight years later going, you know what? Uh, I raised enough money to do the movie I want to do. And if this is the only movie I ever get to do again with the rest of my life, I'm going to do it my fucking way. And he absolutely crushes it. I mean, it, it, he he brings a vision to the screen unlike one I've ever I've ever seen before. It's a, it's almost like it's like a revenge, murder, grindhouse movie mixed with like legend. I I, I can't. Ex- I I know that sounds ridiculous. I mean, and it's funny. You see the influences. You see the influences of Hellraiser. You see the influences of Last House on the Left. You see the influences of all these other films coming into it uh, because it's set in a heavily wooded area. I mean, they're, you're not in a city ever. You know, you're just, it's the story is, you know, Nicholas Cage is with Mandy and I don't know if it's his wife or his girlfriend, but I don't think we ever really find out. And they live in this, this awesome house in the woods and he's a lumberjack, like a logger. And, uh, and she's a, a writer and an artist and they live there. And then uh, they are happened upon by villains. And, and I can't say anything more uh, some things happen and then Nicolas Cage goes crazy. That's all I'll say. Uh, but, but it, it was, it was beautiful. It was a poem. It was, it was artwork. It was astonishing. It was, it, you know what it was? It was, am look, I'm 51 years old. I say this all the time and, and I like slow movies. I like movies where people talk. You know, and I, I knew what happened with Jesuit when he was like, hey, man, I got to warn you, it's going to be slow, going to be slow. And I'm like, That's, I can watch movies. I know how to do it. And I will tell you this, as we were watching the film in his basement, I kept watching and I kept seeing him. He would look at me when stuff would happen. He kept looking at me as things were going on. Like whenever, when, when things weren't happening even, he kept kind of checking me out to see if I was okay with it or if I was going to leave. And he would say something and I, I'd just answer him with like one word because I was entranced. I mean, I got sucked into this fucking movie from the jump. Because, uh, because not only is it beautiful... It is f- the the photography, the lighting, the colors. There's just and the palettes are so crazy. Like sometimes it's really deep red, and sometimes it's purple. There's a segment in this film. I'm just going to tell you. Well, for all right, um, the villain, the head villain, Jeremiah, is played by Linus Roach, and he is he he's so worthy of going head to head with a Nicholas Cage in in their scenes. You know what I mean? And, and uh, it's just. He's he's every he's a little Lord Fauntleroy looking fucking hippie cult leader guy, but he just he just crushes it, and you love him. You you I mean, let's put it you love the performance, you hate him, but he's just. Oh, and also there's there's a House of a Thousand Corpses vibe. Like I can't I can't give it away. I don't want to tell you. I honestly, you know what? I, I there are things that I love, like the band Jellyfish. They made two albums. And I've always said, if I could just get those, if I had, if I was rich, if I win them, if I win the mega millions tonight, I will buy jellyfish albums for everybody in America. I, everybody should hear it. Everybody should see this. Everybody should see man and Mandy. I, I, because I've mentioned the colors I've mentioned and the acting, the performances, Andrea Riseborough is fucking haunting as Mandy. Uh, and all of the, the cult people, the villains are, are so creepy and weird. And, and they fit perfectly in what they're supposed to be doing. Um, but dudes, the score for this movie. I said I couldn't stop thinking about this movie. It's been a week. I have listened to the score every day since since I left Jesuit's place. I mean, I, I've listened to the score every day on YouTube. Uh, I haven't bought it yet because I think I'm going to go Spotify and, and I don't want to go committing another fucking 10 bucks to a CD. Who knows? Whatever the fuck. I mean, I should. But I mean, the fact that it's available on YouTube, I can just play the goddamn thing. And it's and it's only 45 minute long, the score. But the the Mandy's love theme, the song "Sand," they're they're just they're phenomenal pieces of work. The music is done by a guy named Johan. Yo- get this, brace yourselves, Johan Johansson, uh, Panos Cosmatos, and Johan Johansson. If you had told me a, a year ago, five years ago, that one of the the seminal movies I had ever seen that I loved uh, was right up there in my top twenty movies, maybe of all time, was made by Panos Cosmatos and scored by Johan Johansson, I would have burned you for a witch. And here we are. I don't fucking know Johan Johansson. I had to fucking I had to look him up. He did the fucking he's been nominated for two Oscars. He did the music for Sicario, he did the music for The Theory of Everything and then a bunch of other projects, but I think this was his final work because he unfortunately died of a fucking cocaine overdose. And he he was I think he was 48. Um But boy, did he he fucking he made a noise on the way out, baby, because this fucking the music and the visuals and the acting. It is just it is a perfect piece of entertainment, of filmmaking. Like I said, it's not even a movie. It's fucking art. And I know I'm belaboring the point and I'm going on and on. I, because I can't go into the plot. I would love to tell you things that happen. I would love to talk about stuff. Um, and fuck, you remember I was watching my forged in fire show, my crazy forged knife show. There's a scene of forging in this movie. Somebody forges something and makes something. And I'm like, dude, I, so I knew exactly what they were doing. I'm like, Oh, they got to do this. And he's got to do that and bring it out. Oh, there you go. He's going for the, the quench. He's got to put it in the water. I mean, I fucking knew it was, happening. I was so excited to know what was going on um, I just, I just, it hit me on so many levels as just being, again, like I said, if, if you do something I can't do, cause look, I love the Avengers. That's fun. I love these movies where, you know, like I said, but people are punching pixels and they're fighting. I, it's like when I talked about the Joker, I want to see real people being, uh, doing things and being mean and, and making, making life happen. And this movie is, is filled with death and filled with life. It's, it's just so reaffirming to see great work. And I'm telling you, man, I, you know, so I, I, the music with the score, the, the, the lighting, um, the cheddar goblin, don't even ask. I'm not even going to tell you what that is, but there's a, uh, just, I'm not even going to repeat it. I'm never going to say that phrase again to you when you see it, you'll know. Uh, but, but all of this stuff and, and th- there's little touches. There's, there's a scene where there's a character and he has barbed wire in his mouth. And you feel it, you know it, you you know that because it's not you know you, normally you use rope or whatever the fuck. This character has barbed wire in their mouth, and you're like, oh man, the whole time you can't stop thinking about it because you're thinking that if they move one inch, one iota, something really terrible is going to happen. Uh the 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 language, the dialogue, the 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 speaking. There's there's reference. There's even references to Marvel and shit like that. You know, I and and that's the thing. I love talking movies. I would watch if you had interesting people talking for fucking two hours, I'm in, I'm in. I mean, I love crazy too. And I love s- superheroes and all that shit happening. But man, that's half the, half the battle of Tarantino is seeing the, the fucking language, just sing and crackle like down power lines. It's the fucking most beautiful part of those movies. And you remember things that are said in exchanges. And, and the same thing here in Mandy, you know, Jeremiah gets, gets a ton of dialogue and, uh, and, and there's, there's, there's a beautiful scene where where two characters are just they're they're in bed and they're talking. What's well, Nicholas Cage and his, and his wife Mandy. I'm I, you know I'm not going to give it away. It's Red and Mandy. They're in bed and they're discussing dreams. And they superimpose. I thought it was lighting, but but Jesuit told me it was CGI that was floating over them, and and it puts them in this ethereal frame as they discuss. Just dreams and they talk about real life and they look at one another in their eyes and it, it brings you to a place where maybe you had done that before with someone you loved and you were uh, comfortable and at ease with somebody but also exploring new territory and finding something out new about that person as you looked into their eyes. That's a beautiful feeling and it, it made me nostalgic and it made me sad and it made me happy at the same time to see that being portrayed in a film where two people were just quiet and looking in each other's eyes and, and sharing a moment talking about what had happened in a dream. And, 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 but then the visual over it made it even that much more powerful. There's another scene. And I, I I'm going to say it's gotta be, I'm going to say it's about a six minute chunk. Okay. And uh, a character gets drugged. And, and the next, the ensuing six minutes is filmed through, I would say almost a magenta haze, like, and, and the voices are queered up a little bit where they slow down and it's filmed through basically, uh, the eyes of the person, even though you see the person who's been drugged, it's filmed through their perception of what's happening. The room is it's, it's someone who's been drugged and it's a six minute chunk of what it would be like if you were influenced by whatever drug they gave this person and you had to go ahead and live this scene. And, and I, I just, I sat there and stared because I've never done, you know, I never done any hard drugs. I don't know anything. And, uh, so I looked at, at Jesuit and I'm like, uh, all right. So I, and, you know, because again, there were, there were moments where you'd have to go, all right, this is happening or this, they did this, or this person did this. And not very often, only a couple of times, but that drug thing, I really wanted to, cause I've never done that. So I looked at him and I, I said, uh, is that what it's like? And he said, what do you mean? I said, is that is this is this what it's like if you've taken acid? And he goes, Oh yeah. He goes, This is this is exactly what it would be like. And uh, and knowing that that level of authenticity existed within that scene also made me happy. Just to know that they knew enough about it and they brought me that experience without me. Because remember, you remember, I don't know if you know this. Early on, if you're new, you might not know this. But in the first couple of years of this show, remember, I was going to do acid. I wanted to do acid, and Lily's like, I can get it for you. And we were thinking about me doing it. And I and I still would be willing to do it. Um. But I, but to, but now I feel like I've had the experience without ever having to take the drug, and uh, and also with with beauty uh, attached to it, and and also uh, malevolence. There's music playing throughout this scene. I, I can't, like, I I I want to believe me. I want to wax rhapsodic as if I haven't already over and over and tell you more and more about it, but I'm just going to tell you, you have to see it it is it is a beautiful piece of work and and i will also tell you exactly like jesuit said to me because here's the thing it's like dudes all right this is it It's in like movies when i was a kid like in 1974 you know they would make movies like grindhouse movies and they would just let and the director would just do whatever he could with whatever budget he had and and he had to pull out all the stops or whatever tricks and there had to be ultra violence or there had to be i mean this feels like the kind of movie you would have seen in 1974 when a grindhouse still existed and B, they just let directors do what they were going to do. They let people make movies. There weren't marketing decisions. There weren't, well, how is this going to play in China? There was not. I mean, Mandy, this movie, there was not a second thought given to box office for this movie other than probably the casting of Nicolas Cage, but also getting Nicolas Cage. He's not exactly a box office guarantee, but you're still getting an Oscar winning actor who can bring it when he fucking wants to and uh and also i read a thing uh something for you to take on when you see the movie think about this uh and i don't think i'm spoiling anything by saying this i read after that i read an interview with panos cosmatos because i fucking had to look him up and see everything that he's done up to this goddamn point and uh he wanted nicholas cage for jeremiah and they offered him the script for jeremiah and nicholas cage said well i want to be read uh, the character that he winds up playing in the movie. And Panos was like, yeah, nah, that's not my vision. Like, I I really wanted you to be Jeremiah. So he passes on Nicolas Cage. I'm sorry, Nicolas Cage passes on the film, I should say. And then uh, uh, literally months go by, and he he's sleeping one night, and he has a dream. And in the dream, he sees Nicolas Cage uh, as Red and some things that are happening. And he wakes up out of a dead sleep, and he contacts his associate producer uh, or one of his producers, and he says uh did i screw up like did i really drop the ball here and not letting nick play uh, ger- uh red and the guy just types back yes and so then they went back and got him and he he was he he made time for it he made it fit in his schedule and and the result is just such a such a beautiful piece of work and uh and i know you know it, it's this this will i will tell you this too uh just like so like like jesuit said to me when he's like look it's real slow in the beginning and it's got this but i'm you know you might like it and i don't I, I so i preface everything i tell you by saying to you i thought it was an unbelievably beautiful piece of work i loved it very much and it was completely wheelhouse for me if you watch this like you you know me you you know you watch the Tarantino movies you watch Jackie Brown you watch those movies and you go yeah this is mike that's what mike loves if you see mandy you're going to say this this So know that that's what I love. You will, you will get a real insight into the things that I love at movies. Like I told you, I I sometimes will just watch if I can find an old movie on, there was a movie I watched with fucking George Siegel was a junkie in New York in like 1972. It's why I like watching those Kojaks. like from 73, 74, the city just looks different. The world looks different back then. And it's not about quips and it's not about just really making fast decisions. And, and it's, it's about living and luxuriating and bringing real life to life. And that's, I think a lot of the times in the seventies when, you know, there's, there's a, there's a book I read. Was it called Uh, Godfathers and raging bulls? I think, I don't know. It was, it was a movie about filmmaking in the golden age of filmmaking when they let filmmakers make films, you know, when, when they could make the last detail which is just a story about two guys bringing another sailor back to, to, to the fucking ship. I mean, if you cast the right actors, you, you could make brilliant work with small stories. And, and that's why I like killing them softly. I know a lot of people are like, dude, this is boring. Well, yeah, okay, but that's my speed. I want to see Brad Pitt and James Gandolfini and Ray Liotta and, and these other actors just act and, and be themselves within the context of these characters. And, and that's what I want to see. Now, look, do I love Ocean's Eleven? Yes, it's a brilliant movie. But at the same time, I like a small movie. And uh, and Mandy for all of its you know its effects and and everything it is a, it is a visionary film by someone who I will never miss any more of his work going forward, and uh, and so like I said it's very much like out of the seventies when they let directors do what they did when they just got them the money and said all right make your vision, uh, and and that's why you could get three-hour opuses back then and you could get movies that were made and look were there some of them indulgent of course and is mandy indulgent probably but i don't fucking care i if you if you're talented i will indulge you to do whatever you're going to do because you're going to entertain me and i know everything you're doing is in service of your vision and i will fucking honor your vision by paying attention to it and i will tell you i will i will honor panos kosmatos's vision going forward from now on and i will i will try to find andrea riseborough and linus roach and and I, I, you know, like I said, I've been listening to Johan Johansson and they're like, well, he has albums that he did on his own. And I want to find those because again, it's this, this music was so, the score is so unbelievable and it's so important. It's so important to this movie. But like I said, this movie is, it it looks like there used to be a magazine when I was a kid called Heavy Metal. And and there were also these magazines called Creepy and uh, Evil, I think it was. And they were just these kind of adult comic books but with, you know, monsters and things like that. Almost like Creep Show. Remember the movie Creep Show? It it was playing off of those EC comics from back in the in the sixties and stuff. And then as I got, you know, like I said, there was creepy and eerie. That not evil. It was eerie. Creepy and eerie were these these um just very gothic kind of comic books with monsters and and just this new, completely different world. I mean, yeah, you can see all the bright colors of superheroes, but these would sometimes mostly be in black and white, Vampirella was in there and it just It just brought you to a different place. And man, does Mandy bring you to a different place? Even though it's set in, you know, it's basically, it looks like what looks like the Pacific Northwest in 1983. It it might as well be on fucking Mars because of the lighting and the characters and all of the stuff that happens. And, uh, and it is such a great ride and I can't, I can't recommend it enough. And, and like I said, if you, if you are talented and you can take me somewhere, I will let you. I will hand you my hand, and you can just lead me, and we'll go. And so I'm hoping uh, that after you know 11 years of listening to me, you trust my taste a little bit because I really, really would like you to see Mandy, and uh, I'd love you to fucking take Panos's hand and let him take you wherever he wants to take you. Uh, you guys can get me at Comedy.com. That's a weird movie review at the end there, but I just I because there's no you know why there's no funny button. It's just brilliance, and uh, and I I can't you know I can't top brilliance. It's like you can't joke the joke. Yeah, so if I'm telling you about brilliance, I'm going to, to wrap it up with a goofy quip. No, I'm going to tell you, see fucking Mandy because it's fantastic. And then uh, if you don't like it, uh, blame Jesuit. <laughs> there you go. There's your button. Uh, you guys can get me at Comedy.com. You guys can be my friend at Facebook.com slash the 40-year-old boy. You can... You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash the 40-year-old boy. I'm also on other internet ghetto sites like Snapchat and Instagram, whatever. I'm Mike four zero Y O B at those places, Mike four zero Y O B at Instagram and at uh, the lovely and talented Snapchat. Find me there please. And send me pictures of your cat on your shoulder or tell me about your soup preferences. Like our friend, sir Coxley did this week, uh, reach out. Maybe you're a, maybe you're our good friend, Jason, who sent me a Snapchat and said he was listening to the show and he liked it very much. Thank you, Jason, again, for reaching out. Um, so cool. Thank you to everybody who follows me on those places and make sure you're one of them. Right now, Instagram and Snapchat, Mike40YOB. Find me, follow me, fuck me and forget me. Ha <laughs> ha! Four Fs, baby. Uh <laughs> Uh, let's thank Ryan Dirks. He's the guy who does all the cool ass Facebook or no, No, he does all the website stuff for us and he's the best Ryan Dirks. You can find him at facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks and be his friend there. Thank him for all of his work. If you would Giovanni Giorgio Peluso, who has his own thoughts on Halloween and he and I went back and forth and texted. Here's the thing about Gio, man, that's an impressive dude because he's another one with like knowledge upon knowledge upon knowledge for me. Slasher movies are slasher movies. I'm like, well, you know, it did this and I wanted it to do that and I'm happy it did this. And, and he's like, well, you know, uh, the Friday the 13th portrayed a different, uh, and he, he'll tell you, I mean, he, he's just a student of those films. And I, I was like, dude, I, I defer to your superior knowledge. Like I couldn't even fucking hang. I, I wanted to, but it was cool to hear him and his, his viewpoints. Um, so if you want to ask him about that, you can, but go to facebook.com slash Giovanni Giorgio Peluso and become his friend on there. He does a lot of cool stuff for us. And, and look, by the way, I hear something at my desk keeps making a noise and I hope to God it's not being picked up by the fucking microphone. Uh, but you can you can tell me later. Just, I'll, I'll, when I listen back to the show, I'll be like, fuck, I heard that clicking just like everybody else did. Um... So, yeah, so Gio's got that on Facebook. He's also got his podcast, the Gio, the Get It On podcast, the Gio podcast. You can find he's got his YouTube channel, The Love Between the Two Hosts. You can go ahead and find him there. Uh, he's awesome and cool. And you can follow his YouTube channel and subscribe and let YouTube think that he's the best because he is and also remember he does all the love line content he scrub a dubs it up and throws it back out there for you if you loved love line in the past you'll love it in the future and if you didn't know love line in the past go ahead and get on board the love line train now and listen to Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla talk all about uh, men with uh, penile issues and ladies who don't understand why men can't be more committing and men who don't understand why ladies want kids and then uh, I'm sure somebody else will come along with genital herpes so it's a it's a real bully base over there at love line it's a real bully base so please go ahead and jump in uh, with all the cool stuff that geo does with the old love lines and by the way you never want to say genetic herpes and base in the same sentence I, I, that's bad that that'll turn you off soup for a while even if you're a sir coxley who likes soup um david hernandez have i mentioned him i don't think i have David Hernandez is the guy who does all of the music and the artwork for this show. He's the best. You can uh, find him at facebook.com slash David Hernandez and be his friend on there. Uh, but I will tell you this you see all the artwork he does for this show? He can do artwork for you, as a matter of fact. I will tell you this he is fucking hammered, especially with the holidays coming up. So your best bet is to get him. First of all, you got to go to his website if you want to see some of his work. Go to artbydmh.com. That's A R T B Y D M H.com and check it out. But your best bet is to get him at Facebook. Like I said, be his friend at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez and send any requests for any work or any queries or questions you might have about work he can do or what his time frame is through Facebook, because truthfully this guy is so busy. It's very difficult for him to keep up with the website, even if updating the website, like, I mean, he's got work on there that's already been sold. So when you go and take a look, at what you do, please know that when you're going to art by you're basically looking to get a, a feel for what David can do. Uh, as if you didn't know that already from the art, uh, work he does for us weekly, which is fantastic. But, uh, but on, on that website, you'll be able to see like some, some of his oil works, some of his watercolors, uh, basically some of the work he's done in the past that he's sold and you'll get an idea for what he's capable of. And I'm, and look, I'm just telling you, he's capable of fucking basically anything you'd want him to do. He's a fucking machine and I'm, I'm lucky to have him. So, uh, go find him at facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez and send him queries. Again, the holidays are coming up. So it's always good to get maybe a family portrait or a portrait of your dogs or, or, you know, a, a painting of your favorite film or or if you wanted to again, look at the artwork for this week, because it's going to be uh, I'm sure it's going to be Mandy when I talk to him, um, although it might not be now that I think about it. He could do the Bears. He could paint the Patriots as the Partridge family. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to talk to him about it. Um or he might draw me as the shape maybe he'll paint me as the shape look at it uh, I almost said Base again I can't use that fucking reference twice in a goddamn plug uh, so whatever whatever he did you can say you see the artwork here and you see what he's you know what he's capable of the guy's a fucking magician he's so fantastic at what he does so uh, get him at facebook.com slash David Hernandez and write queries and questions about what he can do for you but if you want to get a feel for the work he has done and kind of his range and the things he's done in the past and what he can do for you in the future you want to find him at artbydmh.com That's A-R-T-B-Y- DMH.com. The... My... dot com. My the crew. the crew. the crew. the. the. It dawns on me that I started this by telling you I was distracted (laughs) and then I churned out a fucking show without ever telling you why I was distracted. Well, here, here is why I'm, I'm distracted. Um, you know, for years, it seems like, well, years seems long, but I've been using a sock on my, uh, on my microphone as a, as a, whatever the fuck it is. I don't know, uh, a wind sock, a way to keep my, uh, mouth noises, a way to keep my spittle off of everything. And I, there's not a lot of spittle. I don't want you to be grossed out and think that everybody walks out of here fucking coated. Um, but at the same, everybody, by the way, there's <laughs> everybody's here. They're just really silent. I just thought about it. That's a dumb thing to say. No, I, it's not, uh, there's nobody here. It's just me. But the point is, I was distracted because finally, finally, The Rock, Uh, Gio had me purchase a hat for my microphone. So my microphone now has a hat and uh, it's been sitting in a box. I bought it two weeks ago, but I didn't bring it. It came after the show from two weeks ago, but before I went to Jesuit's house, but I wasn't going to bring it up there and I didn't want to debut it at Jesuit's house because I didn't want to. What if it went wrong? What if it went terribly wrong? I knew the sock would work. I had no idea if new microphone hat would be effective. So I wanted to make sure I could do a good show on the road. And and also as a, a, our friends Casey and Andrea in Wisconsin, Andrea knitted me a new sock for my microphone and uh and instead of that I want I or, or they um, she may have knitted it for my uh, cock. If I remember correctly, I think that's why she did it. I don't know. She knitted me a sock and it would have been effective either, <laughs> either way, but that is now proudly displayed on my dresser with all of my other, uh, trinkets and toys I've received from you guys. You know, what? I'll take a photo of that or maybe a little video and I'll show you guys exactly. Cause the house is almost like I said, the apartment's almost done. I just got to get a fridge and, uh, and we'll figure out how that's going to work out. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, but my bedroom is pretty much done except now I got to hang up art. And I don't know where that's going to go. Anyway, I'm getting distracted again. The point is I got a microphone hat, but I finally put it on before I started this show. I, I took it out of the box, which is right here. You can hear the box, the uh, vocal beat windscreen for AT2020 microphones. And that's now a, it's, a, it's a hat that now lives on top of my AT2020. But I will tell you this. Uh, oh, my. Uh, oh, does it smell unpleasant? It just it just smells like plastic death you know what i mean it's just i I know it's spongy and it's a hat and my voice has to penetrate through the barrier but it smells like they sprayed it with some sort of paraquat to keep it from causing cancer to people because it's so close to their mouth i don't know didn't they realize that this would be in the vicinity of the mouth and the nose i would have to breathe in a lot while i'm holding this thing here and it it just smells like somebody wrapped a dead dog in a plastic bag and set it on fire. It just is gross. Um, by the way, do not ask how I know how it smells when somebody wraps a dead dog in a plastic bag and sets it on fire. I was a crazy kid. We had some stuff happen. But yeah, it's uh it's a little it's wafting. It's certainly wafting. It's it's uh it's it's as if you were doing a show with a bad cheese inches away from your face. That's it's just got that kind of pungent. You know what it smells like? And again, I'm a super smeller, so that's a bad thing. I'm a super taster as well. You know, in the summer when the whole town smells like spit, you ever smell that? Letterman used to joke about it in New York. And I was like, I can't believe somebody else realizes that that's what that smells like. When you're outside in the blacktop or the whatever the fuck the effect is on the street or the sidewalk, the concrete, the asphalt, it's just in intense heat. It smells like spit outside, just this nasty uh, kind of almost a piquant smell. Like bad sour cream. Uh, not that my spit smells like bad sour cream. I don't look. I'm I'm outing myself on a lot of things here. The point is, sometimes when it's hot damn summer in the city and the back of my throat's getting hot and gritty, or actually the back of my neck is getting hot and gritty. If the back of my throat's getting hot and gritty, then what am I doing? I'm chugging broth on a hot day. That's the back of my neck, baby. Regardless, it smells like spit. So this microphone hat smells a little spitty. Uh, And now it's just going to get worse as I use it, right? Can I wash this thing? What if I put it in the sink and wash it, but then it falls apart? I think I may have mentioned that to you at some point. Can I I clean this thing? Can I wash it? I'm I'm constantly a mess when it comes to technology, folks. I don't want to touch the webcam. I'm sure some bad thing's going to happen. I'm going to thumbprint on it, all these terrible things, but I'm learning. As we go forward. So hopefully by the time I can actually get a Twitch channel going, when I can buy a monitor and start playing games for you people, I'll just be doing it in a very easy, casual way. I'll just be doing, I'll be playing games, not worrying about the smell of my microphone hat or my thumb on the lens of a camera or how badly I'm getting smashed at at Galaga or space invaders or whatever the fuck I wind up playing for you people. Uh, But that's still on the horizon. Don't think it isn't. There's a Twitch channel. It's the, it's, I think it's Mike 40 yob or the 40 year old boy. And you can actually go subscribe to it now. Uh, There's nothing on it yet. But it exists. Uh, So please go check it out right now, the Twitch channel. And as you're there, just think about my microphone hat that smells in my face. So that's why I was distracted early in the show, but not so distracted that I didn't get a show done. A show that was sponsored by whom, you ask? Well, of course, it was sponsored by Fearful Jesuit himself and the Paranoid Strain podcast which is available right now in the iTunes store. You can go ahead and find it there. Download it, listen to it, write a review in the iTunes uh, store and tell people how great it is. Tell them I sent you there. Write him a note at theparanoidstrain at gmail.com and tell him exactly how much you love the show. The, the current show right now, because there was a small quick hitter with QAnon, but right now that he, did, he put up the second version of the, uh, of the 9-11 show. He did a 9-11 show a month ago month and a half. And then he rushed a QAnon to press, but now he's put up the second uh, part of his nine 11 explorations, including uh, you'll find it about the craziest book he's ever read. You will uh, learn about his visit to the nine 11 museum. He describes it very well because I was there too. And I did a show about it uh, a million years ago when I was in New York, I went in the infinity pool outside, you get inside and there's, there is a room where they do nothing but say the name of the victims. I mean, it is just overwhelmingly powerful. So you need to go to the nine 11 museum if you haven't been there yet. Um, it's funny. It's funny to him. I learned about lie hops and my hops. I had no idea what those were. And I'm not even going to tell you what they are. You got to listen to the show. goddammit, if You want to know what a lie hop and a my hop are. But the best part of it is hearing the confusion in Jesuit's voice as he listens to Dana run down the seven point my hop plan. And he just kind of keeps replying to her like, and, uh, and then what? And then. And that's it. Like, I mean, he just because, again, when you hear these crazy things fucking broken down in that fashion, you're just astonished by it. I mean, all these people who believe that 9-11 was an inside job and they and Jet Fuel Can't Melt Steel Beams and all this. And he plays a song. By the way, he plays the Jet Fuel Can't Melt Steel Beam song. Oh, folks, there's a hit waiting to happen. You know, but I, I'll tell you what, though, this show is worth listening to. You want to talk about songs. It's worth listening to the second part of the 9-11 uh, saga on the Paranoid Strain podcast available in the iTunes store, if only to hear a snippet of the great hit song Pen Pineapple Apple Pen. Which was uh, which was out a few years ago, but you can hear it loud if you have it, ear- earbuds or good speakers. Man, it sounds good. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's kind of funky. It, it, you can see why it was so catchy. I have a pen. I have an apple, Apple Pen. You should fucking totally jam out on that. But somebody then uh, makes it about nine eleven because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you take a loving, uh, childlike experience like that. I couldn't even get the word out. Experience like the song pen, pineapple, apple pen, harmless, lovely and make it about 9-11. Why wouldn't you do that? Uh, He also exposed me to a fucking this this dude. I was not fucking happy about it. I in listening to this 9-11 show, he exposed me to a lot of conspiracy theories that I didn't know existed. Uh, One of them being that uh, Hollywood supposedly has been tipping people off about 9-11 for a really long time to get them acclimated for it when it happened. And uh, I'm not going to tell you how, but the Simpsons somehow get roped in the Matrix gets roped in Terminator 2 gets roped in uh, and and I, I actually went and did some research on my own because he was talking about it on the air. So I went and found a website, dude, the gremlins and gremlins 2 somehow were supposed to have tipped off 9-11 uh it's these people are fucking bananas dude it is it is just crazy so and and i will, and also another you want to know another crazy theory i'm just going to say it i don't want to explain it because i don't want to give it away but you got to listen to the, the the show the paranoid strain available now at the itunes store i'm going to just say one word holograms that's all i'm going to say as they were explaining it and i was hearing the people who who advanced this theory i i i don't i mean these people are fucking crazy but listen to it and decide for yourself. Maybe you like them. Maybe you come down firmly on their side. I have no idea. But go ahead and listen to the Paranoid Strain podcast in the iTunes store. Download it now. Please. Love it. Tell, uh, tell Jesuit you loved it and we sent you and all that neat stuff. And uh, like I said, you might get your voice on the show if you go ahead and write him. He's always looking for uh, some ways to make the show a little different. He might go ahead and grab you. Who knows what he does? Uh, but again, all I know is he does something that I can't do and that makes me happy. So go listen to it now. The Paranoid Strain. Fighting off a yawn. Fuck. In the iTunes store. Available now. You <laughs> uh, see, also, you can go uh, to our website, which is MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Well, first of all, let's talk about the YouTube channel, since we're talking about that, because Paranoid Strain also has a YouTube channel. But uh, but let's talk about the 40-year-old boy YouTube channel right now. And if you go there, you've got all sorts of things. we have got all sorts of, uh, you know, well, the archives of this show for 11 years are there. You can check those out. Various old stand-up is available. Uh, But also, you know, the Joker standalone sting is available there. If you've been, uh, I love people who've watched it. I love people who've shared it. Think about sharing it. If you can't think about going to watch it, if you got, uh, you know, 25 minutes to kill, go ahead and check it out and watch the visuals because Max's artwork is fucking fantastic. It adds another layer to what I did. So, uh, and again, if you want to share it, I would love it. That'd be fantastic. Um, So go ahead and subscribe to the 40 year old boy YouTube channel. We got other stuff coming up. And there's also banked live streams that I've done in the past and, uh, and let's throw this out there. I will do another live stream next week. And, uh, I don't know what's the date today. Today's the 23rd, but I want to do it on, on Wednesday, but I can't because Wednesday is a, uh, is, is Halloween. We're never doing that. How about we do it November 1st? Let's call it that Thursday night, November 1st, uh, six o'clock PM Pacific time, eight o'clock in Chicago, nine o'clock in New York, four o'clock PM in, uh, in fucking Honolulu. And uh, and then, of course, uh, 7 o'clock p.m. in uh, Denver, in Colorado Springs. And then I, I guess there's Gretchen Mean Time or Greenwich Mean Time. Not Gretchen Mean. <laughs> Although Gretchen was so mean. but it's, You know, it's funny. I was uh, Back when I was fantasizing about having kids at one point, I was going to have a twin girls named Gretchen and Ginger. And uh, I loved those names. I thought that was a fucking cool-ass group of names. But uh, alas, that time has passed. That will never happen for me. Anyway, you can take them. You can name your kids Gretchen and Ginger to go along with uh, Bomb Pop and Chinese Rick. Why not? uh, so please go check out the 40 year old boy YouTube channel and remember our live stream next week, Thursday, November 1st, we'll talk about Halloween. We'll talk about, uh, stuff that you did on Halloween and, uh, and perhaps I'll wear a mask for the entire thing. Who knows? Or maybe we'll just shuttle in November with, uh, maybe I'll cook something. Maybe I'll have a live cooking demonstration because I want to plan on doing that. Hopefully by then I'll have a new fridge and, and possibly even a new microwave. Get this motherfuckers. I, I, <laughs> I have a microwave on my countertop and it's right next to the fridge. Same area. And, uh, I, the other day I fucking went to cook something and the, and the microwave was dead. It just didn't have a, it didn't have a display. And so I punched one button. Like I hit the, like, you know, you can put in the time to cook something and it just started blinking like a cursor, uh, or blinking like a VCR clock. And I'm not joking. I literally went, calm down, microwave. Like I I just said it out loud because again, you're just, I I don't know if it was just sad because again, I've had this just as long as I've had the fucking fridge and it's just it had to be sad maybe. Maybe it was sad it's losing its brother or it could sense something. Like, you know how a dog can sense somebody's dying and it just lays in their lap until they go? Uh, maybe that's what the microwave was doing, or maybe it was just having like sympathy pains for the fact that the fridge was going to die. I don't know. So I might have to have a new microwave next week as well. I mean, I, and why not? Look, it's rebirth. We're tripping out the entire kitchen with the new fridge eventually, once I can find one. Uh, I'm going to have to get a microwave probably. I've got a toaster oven that still works. My Keurig I think still works. I don't know. nobody I don't drink any coffee. Although I'll start drinking hot chocolate. If we ever get a fall Fucking 90 degrees this week here in fucking California, which I like. Again, I like heat. But, dude, fucking give me a fall, man. I want some leaves. I want a sweater. I want a reason to wear hoodies. Um, But I'm also going to start bringing my Vitamix into play. Dude, I'm buying a cast iron skillet. I'm going to start cooking stuff. That's all changing. Everything's changing, man. We're going forward and making things happen. And uh, words are cheap. Talk is cheap. But who cares? Uh, Next week. Well, you know, but words aren't cheap. They're free. Next week. It's not not cheap. Free is free. And next uh, Thursday, November 1st, 6 o'clock p.m. Pacific live stream. And dude, that'll be double duty for Mike Schmidt. You'll be getting a podcast in the morning Thursday, and then you'll be getting me in a live stream at night. Holy fuck. That's a lot of Schmidt. That's a goddamn, that's a lot of Schmidt and stereo there. You got beginning and end. You're beginning your day with me and then ending your day with me. I like it. So please come and join our live stream next uh, Thursday on YouTube, November 1st, six o'clock PM Pacific. And then whatever the fuck time it is, wherever the fuck where you live. All right, great. Calm down, microwave. Uh, go to Mike Schmidt comedy.com and we got the Joe business page. You can go ahead and lurk on there and look for a bunch of cool ass stuff. We've got uh, well, like I said, we've got stuff for sale on there and you know what that is. CDs. We don't have any shirts yet. We're still pondering that and seeing what's going to happen there. We've got some live stuff available, but mainly it's there for the Amazon link and also for the cool ass artwork, but the Amazon link is important. If you go to the Amazon link and check that out, Please. Use that, click through, buy whatever you're going to buy on Amazon, and then we get money, they get money, you get stuff. It works out perfectly. It's an unholy triangle of alliance, and everybody gets to have a little taste of something. And uh, and whatever you buy, you get. We get money, they get money, you get stuff. It's a perfect arrangement. So what you need to do, again, go to the Joe Business page, locate the Amazon link, click on it, and then all of a sudden you're in there browsing around at Amazon. It doesn't cost you anything extra. Cost costs you 30 seconds maybe from going to MikeSchmidtComedy.com. That's it. You got 30 seconds for me? You got 30 seconds to spare for me? I think you do. I think we're, we're probably at two hours or something on this fucking show as I look up. Holy shit, we are. Uh, so you give me two hours here. Give me another 30 seconds and go shopping Amazon using my link, Colonel Clink. I'm only going to rhyme things. I'm like a British gangster now. <laughs> That's the way it goes, Joes. Uh, all right. She's got a dodgy boat. Float. Uh, calm down, microwave. That's what I'm... I, I can't name the show that. It's in the plugs. All right. So, folks, here's the deal. Wow, I did a here's the deal at the end of the show. That's not good. Fuck. Uh, remember Mike dot Go to there and, and use the Amazon link and stuff. I will tell you this. Remember last week, I was at, uh, I was I was at Jesuit's house. Uh, I saw a movie there called Mandy. I should tell you guys about it next week. Um, <laughs> but we went to the concert, and I think I you know I talked a little about the concert. We saw Mercury Rev, and I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I will tell you this. I've went and I've explored some Mercury Rev on my own, and uh, man, the live versions of the songs for me are were a lot better than the studio versions I'm hearing. I still like the studio versions, but but they're not affecting me the way the live stuff did. This happened, uh, again, with a band called The Trues, who I saw open for Rick Springfield at, at Milwaukee Summerfest a couple of years ago. I, I remember that. I, I told you guys that show. The Trues were just angry because all these fucking women were just waiting for Rick Springfield so they could sing Jesse's girl and go drink more beer. So the trues got all fucking snarly live and just said, fuck this. We're just going to plow forward and crush. And they did. And I'm like, I love these guys. Who are these dudes? And then I looked them up and it turns out they won a bunch of Canadian Grammys. They were like the best new band the year they debuted. I'm like, Oh, well let's give these guys a day in court. And they went to Spotify and I listened to their stuff and their catalog seemed kind of lifeless to me. It was just kind of generic faceless. I was okay. I dug it. It was, it was decent rock, rock stuff. But it just it didn't jump off the fucking uh, the, the screen for me right? out of the out of the speakers. So that's how I felt about Mercury Rev a little bit. Now, look, I haven't listened to everything for fuck's sake, but the live stuff was was for me, as you've heard, it was Mercury Revelation. I enjoyed it very much, having never known of this band except their name. But then listening to the studio stuff, I'm like, nah, I mean, this is all good. But the, the live, it just felt different. So uh, I'm not backing off on my recommendation of Mercury Rev. But I will tell you that it was a different experience when I listened to them in studio. But I will tell you this. I did not Google Marissa Nadler to try to find any of her music because, uh, well, if you listen to last week's show, you know where I came down on the Nadler camp and it was firmly in the negative. I just didn't enjoy it. It was not for me. Now, look, am I saying Marissa Nadler's not a good artist? I'm not. She may be for you. Maybe you're the type of person who likes to hear uh, that a cat is caught in a garbage can and needs to be released. See, that's mean. Why would I say that about Marissa? She seems so nice. She seems so lovely. She seems so betrayed by men her entire life. And she wrote every song about it, (laughs) which is a drag. But I will tell you this, a listener uh, to this show, a lovely person, a friend, uh, not a foe, certainly, but a friend reached out to me on Twitter. Uh, What was his name? Let's find out who it was. Oh, it was our friend Michael who reached out and he, he sent me a note and he's like, Hey, we're still listening to last week's episode. We're at the mercury rev show. I started Googling and This cracked me up and he found an article and it says, and it's uh it's a review of the show that I attended, but this guy did not review mercury rev. No, 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 no. He was there to see Marissa Nadler. He was the one. And uh, no, his name is not Nadler or Nadler it is not on the byline. I'm not going to give his byline because I, this is not a attack a guy or make it. Because, again, everybody has everybody likes what they like. But uh, here's the the bone I'm going to pick. The headline is Marissa Nadler silences snide male crowd at the chapel. <laughs> now, look, I'm going to tell you something. Uh there, there was, a, I, there was a snide male in the crowd, but there was not a snide male crowd. But clearly, because I was there and I kept making fun of it to Jesuit, there was at least one snide male in the crowd. And then I went to read the article, and this dude creates a narrative that does not exist. Uh, basically, he's a, he's a. Look, it's a college paper, all right. And I, I talked to Jesuit about it. He's like, "Look, man, I wouldn't want to be judged on what I wrote in college either." And I'm like, "I get that, fine." But this dude made shit up. Like he, he he makes it sound like it was this fucking aggressive frat boy crowd who hated her. And then by the end, she silenced them and won them over. And the only person we cheered for was her guitarist because he was a man. I mean, it's just it's just it's written so poorly and it's totally here's what it is. It's a fucking college kid who's like who's woke. And he, you know, down with the patriarchy and, and you could tell that he's, he's just that guy. He's trying desperately to be an ally and maybe he is an ally. I don't fucking know. All is I went and looked at his Twitter page and I learned everything I needed to know by reading like the first three tweets. I'm like, all right, well, I know who this kid is. Um, but he he's like he silences snide male crowd and it's like no no there was no there was no snide male crowd dude I mean there was there was absolutely a snide male in the crowd but you didn't and she didn't silence me I'll tell you that because I kept leaning over and talking to Jesuit and I was not loud I was trying to make Jesuit laugh and I was being quiet and respectful but the whole room was fucking church quiet it was fucking totally pin drop silent and it wasn't because we were like oh man we're totally getting into Marissa Adler. it was kind of like all right well this is happening and and if you listen to the lyrics it's it, she's been wronged a lot and. It it wasn't a whoop it up type of concert. So there was no, he makes it sound like it was like beer swilling idiots. Just they, dude, this was not the Blues Brothers. Okay, Marissa Nadler did not wander behind chicken wire and have us fire fucking beer bottles at her until she switched up and started playing fucking rawhide. It didn't happen that way. She came out and caterwauled about sadness, and we all tried to get through it because we were waiting for Mercury Rev. It's not. It's the story of thousands of opening acts in the world every night. They go up, they do a thankless gig in front of a crowd that wasn't there to see them, and they do their best and so I understand that this guy was trying to reach out of the lifeboat and pull Marissa in from the swirling waters of male patriarchy but fucking dude don't create a narrative that isn't there nobody was hostile to her nobody was mean he even made it sound like her guitarist was mean by but he's like he blew the end of three different songs and then he even says Marissa she had an embarrassing moment she hit her head on the microphone all right fine you've got a fucking room full of people who she's never seen before and they've never seen her before and they're all waiting for their headlining band and if she comes out with a fucking barefoot with a goddamn acoustic guitar and then hits her head at a microphone, I got news for you. That uh, that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in your professional performer when the first thing they do, unless it's fucking, you know, someone doing a bit. If Jim Carrey walks out, hits the microphone and falls down, hooray! But if you're going to come out and sing about how unfortunately your boyfriend was really mean and you'll never forget the license plate on his car as he drove away and ruined your life, uh, maybe you don't fucking stick it up by Three Stooges' is out and hitting the fucking curly into the microphone. Come to a throne if you're not gonna suck a dick.